0: Welcome to the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, episode number 64, our part two discussion for our LGBTQ plus pride episode. Uh, So joining me tonight is Jada. Hello. Jess. Greetings. Kat. Hi. Aaron. Hello. TJ. I'm here. And Bill. Howdy. Howdy. And a special thanks, uh, same as last episode, a special thanks to Ben for producing for us tonight. So this is exactly the same cast that we had for our first part, which we got three hours into the podcast once everything was edited. And uh, we still had a lot more to go. So again, as keeping our promise from last month, we're just rolling that into this month's discussion. I'm sure we're going to probably be at least two hours yet again. So, so let's just get this show kicked off. So the question for everybody tonight is this, would you rather be openly out in either the Star Trek universe or the Star Trek or sorry, Star
1: Wars or Star Trek universe? And I'm going to start with Bill. So I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately. Um, and first of all, I'd just prefer to be in the Star Trek universe, so this is where the question ends. Um, <laughs> but, so it would, it would be interesting because um, Star Trek is a product of the times, and even though Star Trek has really tried to be progressive, uh, it's been difficult going. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, like if you're part of Starfleet, the captain of the ship that you're on. Captain is a stodgy, very conservative uh person, he's probably gonna not, you know, look down you know he'll he'll look down on people being out on the ship. Um, but if you have somebody like Captain Picard, it's gonna be fantastic. So I would rather be openly out in the Star Trek universe. Uh TJ. Uh
2: it would have to be the Star Trek universe. Uh they seem a lot more inclusive. And if I was out in the star wars universe i'd be regulated to a background character uh a token background character yeah pretty much uh jada
3: so as much as i would love to own a rainbow lightsaber and be all kinds of out pride in the star wars universe because you all know how much i love it I actually would go Star Trek on this one because again, I think that they're actually more inclusive and I'm pretty sure that Captain Picard is like low key bi or pan or I I use those (laughs) terms pretty interchangeably because that's how I feel about it myself personally. But um, I'm pretty sure he's like low key bisexual anyway. I mean, like just look at the man and I really just want him to like, I want to just sit and like, read Shakespeare and sip Earl Grey tea with him and then you know like whatever happens happens and you know if if Deanna Troy and also Gates McFadden want to walk in I'm fine with that too so yeah we'll go with Star Trek
1: Eric was super fabulous when he was on Ryza. So. <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: I'm just saying. And he was displaying that, what was it, the Hor- Horvath? 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 Horgon. Horgon, yes. The little um, idol that clearly made people want to flirt with him so that he could get some. And he was like just all about reading his books. And I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm going to go against
4: the grain here and say Star Wars. I think also because I, I know a lot more about the Star Wars universe than I do about the Star Trek universe. Um, I understand that I'd probably be relegated to a background character, but I'm totally okay with that as long as I can be uh, my fabulous Jedi self.
0: Fair. Uh, Kat?
5: Um, I would have to choose Star Wars mostly for the same reasons as Aaron where like I don't... I actually haven't seen much Trek, so for me, that's the one I'm most familiar with, but also, you know, on movies and TV-wise, I probably would be a background character, if not just not there altogether, because Disney does not really, I mean, if you look at Disney+, and the amount of LGBTQ shows there are, it's, like, nothing. (laughs) They really don't have anything on there, compared to, like, Netflix and Hulu and things like that, but, um, books however the book universe does have openly gay characters so i will take the star wars books any day and jump right in there nice jess yes i am also going to go
6: star wars let's get some representation up in the star wars universe and i mean have you seen most of those characters they are a bisexual nightmare in the best way
5: possible
0: That's very true. Uh, I'm going to go Star Wars as well, uh, because again, somebody that is going to come up later in our show is uh, Lando. Uh, so yeah. again, and he, he states openly being uh, very, uh, again, well, the creator that wrote Donald Glover's variation said, you know, we view him as a pansexual character. Even Donald Glover said, I played it as a pansexual character. And he wears fabulous capes. So I think I could probably rock <laughs> a good good fabulous cape.
3: Absolutely. So. Sweet space capes for all
0: space games so (laughs) all right so last time when we talked we actually had a really epic episode and again that episode came in at right over three hours which was a feat for us i think the only time we've ever done that in the past was actually one of our star wars episodes where we did a full episode then did a spoiler cast as part of, like, two parts of one episode. Uh, This was us just churning and churning and churning. I don't even think the (laughs) amount of Disney content all cut together is going to be the length that these two episodes are for us back to back, (laughs) which is impressive, so... Uh, but I think, you know, one of the things I think it's important for us to kind of do is because we're picking up from where we left off from last episode and it's not a way that we normally work is to kind of recap a little bit of some of the points that we talked about. So obviously one of the major things that I want to kind of turn it over to everybody here is, um, where the, each of us fit in individually as far as this kind of culture, uh, because I think it's important to give people a reminder of who we are And why we're all together to have this conversation. Whether you're part of the community, whether uh, as either, you know, somebody that is gay, bi, pan, or just an ally. I think it's important for the listeners to know who is talking and where they're
1: talking from. So I'm going to open it up to uh, Bill first. So I am, I guess, heteroflexible, um... I am happily married to a woman, um, but really, I don't. I, I don't want to disc- discriminate, um, and I don't really, you know, necessarily feel like I need to label myself because, well, I don't need to discriminate and label anybody else as well. So, um, but I'm also a really big ally and always trying to uh, further my um, my allyship by learning more about my other people in the community. Awesome. Jada.
3: Um, so I began identifying as bisexual around the time I was about 14 or 15 years old. And now to me, bisexuality means that I'm attracted to my gender as well as others. I'm not exclusionary in that. Um, I don't, I'm not exclusionary against non-binary people. I am not exclusionary against anyone who is trans. Um, I am attracted to everybody basically. which a lot of people tell me means that I'm actually pansexual, but I was sort of included with the bi kids. That was the first like group at the lunch table in the queer community that really accepted me. So I still feel very strongly that that is where I belong. Um, and that is how I see myself. But I, I, I very much flex between the two. And I think that there is a huge Venn diagram of overlap between the two terms. So for me, it's just that's where I identified first. And that has, you know, a huge piece of my heart. Uh, my daughter identifies as Pan and she also identifies as gender fluid, which is pretty cool. She still is okay with um, using she, her pronouns, but I've always told her, it's like if that ever changes, you let us know and we'll switch over to they, them, or he, him, whatever you prefer at the moment. So, um, you know, it's interesting raising a second generation of LBGTQ, but I could not be more proud of her and who she is and the fact that she knows who she is at 12 years old and is not afraid. So I kind of am feeling a little bit, um, you know, proud by mom on that. And um, I think also important to mention, I'm also polyamorous. I am involved in several different relationships at once, and I feel that love is love is love is love. And so there you go, that's me.
0: Awesome. Uh, Kat.
5: Um, I would identify as bi. I, it's funny because like I only really recently realized it, maybe a few years ago, and that was a really weird discovery, because I've always been comfortable with my sexuality, and I've always had a lot of, like, I've always been really strong with allyship, but um, I think I just always discounted it, because, I mean, I, you know, got married to Rob, and so that was when I, was, I mean, I, we started dating when I was 18, so there had been, like, no real room for any sort of experimentation or learning much more about myself with that kind of stuff. And so, you know, for the longest time, I'd be like, I would always discount, like, my crushes on women as girl crushes. Oh, it's just a girl crush. Oh, it's, and then I'm like, wait a second, but that's actually, it's a crush too. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have, the like, thing. the same
3: story in so <laughs> many aspects.
5: <laughs> and so it was one of those things where I was, like, slowly starting to realize, like, oh, okay, that's actually, you know, those same feelings that I have. Um as for bi versus pan I kind of just chose bi because I was reading a little bit about both of them and it wasn't about either being exclusionary like I really don't like the idea that you know people try to project where bi means you're only into a binary of like one or two that's not really what it is um but I liked the idea that the different genders are... You just had different feelings based on, like, you do notice gender. It's not a... Like, with pan, it's you don't notice gender at all. Whereas, like, with bi, it's just varying levels of things. Like, you do notice gender, it's not a blank slate thing. And so it fit more for me.
2: (laughs) Um, TJ. Uh, I am a uh, cis white male, uh, who's a very strong, uh, community ally. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> and if you
0: listened to the last episode, uh, you were, you were one of the best rock star allies, I think <laughs> ever. I've actually had people reach out. One of uh, one of our friends who's done work with next level before, which is our friend Damon, who is kind enough to be at the first audio clip during our break actually said he wanted to have so many different shirts made up for you about (laughs) life because the fact that you are such an awesome ally from everything you said throughout the course of the episode. And he was one of many people I heard from that said how wonderful it was to hear from a cis white male who put their own needs behind them and put everybody else's needs ahead, especially in a topic like this. So massive kudos for, honestly you on the last episode so thank you yeah, so much thank you
4: i'm very proud to
3: say i married that man
6: i just <laughs> want to say, I,
3: say I love that we're doing that. A, a like a queer pride episode and the one who's getting the most praise
5: is <laughs> <white
2: guy. laughs> hey hey i tried not for to ring my ally. own bell there i was just like i'm a cis guy go on to the next person <laughs> for
5: being
3: a good straight white guy good job tj good job <laughs>
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Aaron, so do you would you like to go next?
4: Yes, yeah, sir. Um, so I am um bisexual. I came out fully uh when I was 35 and uh been out and proud since I am married to TJ. We've been married for eight years and um we all we uh, like jada we are polyamorous as well and so we both believe that love is love is love is love um so i've had both relationships with men and women since uh being married and um it was interesting coming into this later and being more open later about it because i was very scared um to admit my own sexuality even though i I really supported and waved the flag for all of my friends who were, and, um, and I grew up in a very, um, very inclusive group, especially being part of the theater kids. Like, you know, most of my guy friends were gay and I was so supportive of that. And when it came time to be supportive of myself, it took me a while to really get there. And I'm very happy that I've been totally out. And, uh, it's, 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 brought up some very interesting conversations, especially with my mom, um, trying to explain to her, cause I was explaining to her about this podcast that we did and, uh, I was explaining to her about, you know, Demi pan, <laughs> like all of the, all of the things that have since kind of been added since she, she pretty much knows gay, lesbian, bi, and that's about it. So then I had to start explaining all of the different, of other- other, you know, things that are a part of it, and she just looked at me. And she goes, "Okay, dear, as long as you're happy," <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was the best thing ever. It's adorable. But,
6: yep.
0: <laughs> uh, Jess.
6: Okay, um, I am your friendly neighborhood ally. Um, just gonna preface that I have also, similar to Cat, been with my husband since I was like 17 years old. Um, but I just kind of find people attractive. So, you know, whatever that means, labels, um, still working it out a little bit. So that's me. Awesome.
0: Uh, and as for me, um, like I said, actually it was kind of nerve wracking for me because I don't really talk about, you know, my sexuality much, but, um, you know, the, our last episode is actually when I actually came out as pansexual. So it was really kind of just awesome to be able to do that. Um, because for me, like, I don't think I really ever thought about things as much. And then I like when I started really thinking it through while we were playing the episode and just honestly, our conversations through years and years and years. And I'm like, I was like, Oh, I'm either bi or I'm pan. And I had to really kind of like, I was trying to figure it out for me. It's not that I needed the label. It's kind of like the clip we used in the front of the last episode the bit from Shit's Creek with David and Stevie and you know, the general story. It's kind of like, you know, um, I like the wine, not the label. It, it's, it's such a great little <laughs> piece, but it's really, I it was just kind of like, but as I thought about it, I'm like, no, I really don't think it has as much to do with gender for me. I think it's, uh, it's for me, it's the attractiveness to a person and who they are. Um, and I think that's a big key component for me. And I think it's been always a big key component for me. Uh, Jada.
3: Um, I think it's really interesting that we have in our group here, we have so many people who have been in straight passing relationships so long that they actually erase themselves, myself included, because I've been with my husband since I was 16 years old. Um, you know, it was when I was in my late 20s, early 30s that I sort of was like, hey, so I have these feelings and I want to experiment. And he was like, we were already married. And he was like, all right, as long as you're happy. And from there, it just sort of blossomed. But like, it's really interesting how each one of us sort of contributed to our own erasure and our own sexualities because it wasn't important. We were already married or we were already in a relationship or we already felt that we were in this like straight passing, um, you know, stance in our own lives. And I think it's interesting that so many of us came to acknowledge our, you know, our true selves later on in life because of that. So, um, you know, I just, I think it's interesting. I think um, also for myself, demisexual kind of rings with me as well because I'm definitely more sexually attracted to people who I have that strong emotional connection with. Mm -hmm. um, And that to me is huge. Um, you know, I think when you're looking at people in a, you know, especially in, uh, in realms of buy or pan, people always say, oh, well, you know, you picked a side, you picked a side. I didn't pick a side. I picked a person. Technically I picked mm-hmm. several people, but that's okay. That's an entirely different episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, so, I mean, you, you understand, so it's, it's not necessarily, you're not negating your own sexuality. It's just that, you know, you have, you're loving a person It just happens to be in a straight passing relationship. It doesn't negate who you are. And I think that's really important because, you know, so many of us are in pet passing relationships. It's really important to acknowledge that within ourselves that we are still who we are and we love who we love and we're still attracted to other people. I mean, just because you ordered your favorite dish all the menu doesn't mean you don't necessarily want to bite to somebody else's. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Love it.
0: Well, you know, going a little bit into more of the recap of last episode, I'm just gonna wrap this up so we can move into kind of the meat of the new part of the topic here. And I think one of the major things I wanna make sure to bring up is my favorite part of that episode, not only was it the conversations we were having, but it was the first time we've ever done something like this, especially at the break. Normally I do 30 seconds or a minute of a song that randomly fits in with what we're doing, which is gonna be what we're doing today uh, for this episode. But last uh, time we had about 15 minutes of audio. It almost was 25 minutes. Cause again, Damon, our good friend, Sent me a 15 minute clip first before I was like, no, 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 too much to say. Please sum up. You know, <laughs> um, so I got the, I think it was like a two minute or three minute bit that we we plugged in in the start of our conversation the last time. Uh, but it was great getting these accounts from um, friends of ours. Some of them chose to stay anonymous. Some of them, like I said, Damon, who's been all next level stuff, who was very. He's like, nope, you can say my name as much as you want about this. It's fine. Uh, But it was really awesome to have all these people give accountings of their story. Uh, And even if it wasn't just their story, it was a positive message. And it was great that we had, you know, um, you know, the kind of the gamut we had, I think two, uh, I think we had a one person that was pansexual, one person that originally identified as bi, then later pan, and then one person that's trans. And it was really awesome to be able to kind of share some strong messages from more people in the community, especially from our friend community, that we hold very near and dear to, like, just our our, our everydays at this point. And I, I really think it's really wonderful that we can bring that up. And that was the one thing I would love to say is that we have an opportunity. I think that's one area that was under-discussed last time was even discussions of, uh, you know, trans characters and such. And I believe that will definitely fall in line with some of our conversations this evening. And, you know, one of the other things that we didn't get an opportunity to dive into heavily is actually where we're going to start our conversation tonight, which is a conversation that's near and dear to many people's hearts on this um, actual panel of people, which is bisexuality and pansexuality erasure in pop culture, which is <laughs> piggybacking right off of what Jay was saying uh, before I kind of tilted us into the main part of the, the conversation here. And I really want to turn it over to all of you to kind of lead the charge of this conversation. Uh, because I think in all honesty, and I think to kind of going about this, is there's so much that can be said about all of these things. And we know we are not on time, but we, again, don't want to do another three-hour podcast. <laughs> Uh, so much so that we have a contingency plan for tonight, and I'm not sure we'll <laughs> use it, but uh, if we need to. But I think it's important that we get across the messages that we uh, we want to get across this evening. So, uh, actually, I think I'm going to tilt it to Jada first in this uh, in this discussion. And I think what one of the areas that it's important for us to bring up in this conversation is where this erasure we feel has been personally most pre- uh, pre- like prevalent. Nah, can't talk today, as um, far as pop culture is concerned,
3: as
7: well. So.
3: Um- well, pop culture being what it is, I think there's always a lot of misconceptions. Um, and I think some of the biggest ones, there's a ton of really bad misconceptions um, that fly around about bisexuality and pansexuality. And again, I kind of use them as... in, in my there, There's a huge Venn diagram overlap in my brain as to what those two sexualities are. And I know there are differences. Um, But I know that a lot of people who are bisexual and who are pansexual feel that they're discriminated against by people who are straight because you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily feel like you fit in. And a lot of people who are straight are like, oh, well, you're just going to cheat on me with somebody from another gender or somebody of your own sexuality. Um, And then if you're dating somebody who's gay, there's a lot of people who are gay who are like, oh, you're just going to leave me for somebody who's, you know, hetero. And you're going to fall in line with that because that's where, and there's, there's so many bad stereotypes there's stereotypes that bisexual people are uh transphobic there are um you know there are stereotypes that we are cheaters that we can't be monogamous which is definitely untrue because i was monogamous for 18 years um there's so many different scenarios where people um really discriminate against people who are bisexual. Um, and sometimes that even comes within our, from within our own community. And I think that that is probably the most hurtful thing um, because we as a community, as um, the queer community, and I know all the different letters, LGBTQIA and all the things, if we sum it up, la- like we did the last episode where we just kind of summed it up as queer, we all need to stand together and pushing somebody out because you know, we feel that they might be this or they might be that, we need to support each other. Um, And I think it's also important to remember that you can define yourself, but defining other people or passing off your negative opinion of somebody as fact, especially to other people in, you know, social areas is incorrect and not the right thing to do. Let listen to other people. And if they tell you that, Oh, you know, this is not correct. Or, you know, I think you may be spreading misinformation, maybe listen to them and understand that they're coming, they're trying to tell you from their heart what they feel and how they feel and if you're misrepresenting them you're doing them a disservice as well as the rest of our community um, as far as representation in pop culture it feels like anytime you have a bi character it's like they're just waiting for the right person who's straight and they're going to fall in line with that straight so it's i've seen that in different books i've seen that in different movies i um, sorry rob go ahead
0: oh uh, i i was gonna say honestly one of my favorites recently and uh, you know is actually from rosa coming out in brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. i think that was that was great because it's something that you just actually brought up earlier on jade it was the fact that a lot of times we're responsible for our own erasure and mm-hmm. diaz's character falls in line with that ideal until she actually comes out to her family yes and it, it's it's feels like it's such a common thread
3: hmm And I I love that, you know, during the scene with her parents and she's talking about, um, you know, they're, they're even playing a party game. They're playing uh, like what Pictionary or win, lose or draw or something like that. And she draws a wedding and she draws two, she draws two brides and her parents are like, they're so confused. And she's like, it's a wedding. It's a wedding with two women in it because that could be my future. And her parents are still kind of very uncomfortable with it. And you know i kind of remember having that sa- a similar discussion with my mom and i actually came out to my mom not too long ago um my daughter came out to me and so then i discovered that i had the courage to come out to my own mom at you know 38 or 39 years old and um she was just kind of like oh oh but you're married to a man and i'm like well yeah but that doesn't mean that i don't have feelings for other people and you know gender to me is kind of irrelevant but you know and she's like oh well you know you have had very close women friends over the years. So I guess that makes sense. I mean, whatever makes you happy. So Um, in the end, she was accepting of it. And so I kind of, I I feel Rosa in that a little bit. Sometimes parents have a little bit of a harder time coming to terms with those things. But um, I'm going to leave it over to Kat at this point.
5: Um, One of the things I uh, noticed in pop culture stuff, at least that like occurs that like throughout, but um, I was thinking about, even, like, back in Chasing Amy, um, mm-hmm. it was a really, really good example, because when Alyssa ends up starting to date Holden, um, all of her friends, who are lesbians, are like, traitor, traitor, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's Why are you not, playing a
3: pronoun game? Exactly. Yeah,
5: it's not, mm-hmm. okay, you're just dating who you are, it's you're a traitor to our community, which really feels like erasure from the community
3: yeah you know there's there's another show on hulu right now called the bisexual and it's about a woman who strongly identifies basically as lesbian throughout the entire like first episode and then kind of discovers that she has an attraction to men but she's like so afraid to tell the rest of her like lesbian community because um basically the same thing and this is i mean this is 20 years after chasing amy at least yeah You know, it's funny that we're always fighting that same battle of recognition and acceptance within our own communities. Mm -hmm.
0: I I think it's interesting, too. Um, So there's a show that we'll probably talk about later, Um, and because it's one of my favorites, I know it's one of Kat's favorites, but she Sense sensate. And you actually see that play out there as well with um, Nomi. And, oh, my God, I can't remember uh, Freema's character's name. Oh, my God, it's going to drive me nuts.
6: Uh... Amanita. Amanita, that's
0: right. Yeah. But when they're in, like, I think the Pride Day in the first season, and they go to Amanita's friends, and they're like, "Oh, she's trans." I was like, "I was like, you're, you're, you're not welcome, essentially." And like I said, mm-hmm. and there was that erasure to Amanita, but also to Nomi as well. of mm-hmm. Nomi being, uh, you know, a trans lesbian in this situation, and it, it's kind of like you know, it's it's really intense to see that you, we see these things do play out in the right places in pop culture, where you see like kind of the the truth that we you see or hear about it like you you hear about that stuff in the trans community all the time uh that that's unfortunately incredibly prevalent uh you know it's 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 really kind of sad but it's really great to see that a lot of shows and especially again since it's going to be something i'll definitely bring up because you know you have a trans writer and director as well uh and is really giving an opportunity to really tell the true truth of all of what's going on there and i think the fact that you can actually get these really realistic, honest stories about all this and how these do play out in real-world scenarios is really important. Kat?
5: Um, another example I was just thinking of, just because we just started rewatching Glee randomly. Um,
2: <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs>
5: I, love I, was, I thought it was hey. adorable. <laughs> it's so much that. good
2: music. So much I know. Good music. The music was Yeah, but so Unfortunately, it was surrounded by a show.
3: which was also pretty good thanks it was really entertaining
5: i thought it was cute but yeah um one of the episodes though it was really funny because it was that same thing from you know that occurred in chasing amy too where the one character was like maybe i'm not gay maybe i'm bi and immediately you know his gay friend was like no (laughs) like or you know you're just delusional you just whatever like it seems like when you know, when, when it comes down to it, with a lot of bisexuality and pansexuality, whoever they're dating, like what whoever their you know end game person is, whatever, it's that's the side they chose, not just that they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it seems really really odd to me because that's just not how like it's not so rigid.
4: Erin, it's almost looked at it as it's a phase. Mm-hmm. like yeah. that's always kind of like the oh well it's it especially like when you're in college you know oh it, you're you're by because it's your phase you know you're going through mm-hmm. and I'm like girl I'm out of college I've been out of college for 20 years yes. <laughs> this ain't a phase yes. anymore absolutely um, but it but it's it's interesting like and it's it's hard to make people understand like Jade you know, I had a very similar conversation with my mother when I came out to her um you know she's like but will this change your relationship with TJ? I'm like, no, I'm still married to my husband who I love. And, you know, but I, I've always had, I've always had feelings for also women. And it's just, I think for some people, because there's very much like this, you know, XY chromosome, XX chromosome, (laughs) like for a lot of people, unfortunately, that they can't visualize, you know, the liking both. You mm-hmm. know, or having like a a, a view of, of of not seeing a gender, correct? Um, you know, love, so I love think that's is a, a lot cube,
0: not a square. You know exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that
6: is a great way to put it.
0: <laughs> Jess, you were you, you wanted to jump in?
6: Yeah, I was just gonna say that in in pop culture portrayals, especially, I feel like there is a distinct lack of representation of by guys. Um, I feel like when a girl is bi it's like cute and quirky and then if it's a guy it's like oh no you're just gay yes absolutely so so
3: much erasure around that I'm sorry to mean to jump right no 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 not at all
6: um I think that especially besides the distinct lack of representation in fiction which we touched on last time um there are no bi male characters that I can think of in, in mainstream fiction. I had someone ask me for that recently. What is a, a story about a bi dude where he does not end up with the same sex at the end? And I was like, dude, I don't even know. I don't have any options for you. Um, and. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is that cat?
5: Um, So actually, this is, again, this is like me and the other romance writers bitching about shit and trying to do something about it. But um, my one friend, um, Landra, she writes BDSM romance, and the book I just edited for her, she um, has a bi guy and a bi girl who end up together. Excellent. I mean, like, you know, it's, she's really, like, we're all really trying, because the same thing, like, when I have characters that are bisexual that end up with you know like I wrote um a female female novella trilogy and there were two bisexual characters in that but at the end of it they were still bisexual like I'm not erasing their like that's ridiculous just because they end up become a lesbian yeah (laughs) you're they're still attracted to both it's just they found their person
0: it's like, exactly. well here, here here's your receptor, here's your sash, and you, you go on that side of the room now.
6: <laughs> right. Do I get a I sash I of I can receptor? think of like two whole <laughs> of um, in pop people at least on TV shows. There's um, what's his name from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh God.
4: bit
6: ex a little bit of a little bit of a that bit of yeah, little bit of a was cute. Yeah.
3: Like, a really big part of a of a personality. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a, bi, a bi male character on Jane the Virgin, which I honestly haven't really watched that show, but I remember seeing a snippet of it um, right. that was posted in a bi face group um, that I'm in, Facebook group that I'm in. I'm sorry, apparently I can't speak. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think in a lot of ways, so super toxic that you do have representation of bi women, but it's not always good. No. It's usually, Agreed. we're fetishized. We're usually fetishized for the male gaze um, because, you know, it's really fun to watch girls make out with each other. Um, yeah. but it, bisexual males are usually all but erased or it's usually, well, they're really just secretly gay, but they're trying to like still seem straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's never, it's never good. So I, I'm really glad that there are writers like Kat out there and your friend Landra who are writing really good stories about bi and, trying. Men, <laughs> men and women and people of all genders so that we can feel that we're represented in most of pop, in pop culture, at least in some way.
0: So is anybody else would like to chime in on this part of the conversation, or do we want to get to one of the big pieces that I know we're going to spend lots of time on? Kat, do you have something more you want to bring up?
5: Um, I just wanted to say some of the really, really good representation of BiPan, or, like that does not erase pan, is um, Legends, is just top freaking notch with that. Because like throughout Legends of Tomorrow, um, between Sarah Lance and Constantine, they like they're just amazing. Like they really did a great job with and the,
0: the unsung and the unsung hero Gary.
5: Oh yeah, Gary
0: <laughs> Jada.
3: Um, I think another series. I think we talked about this one in the last. The last one that we did but i think um lost girl did a really good representation Yay, of, yep, yep, yep. of queer culture and also i mean they did more of a bi female but um you know they really didn't have her discriminate against anybody and in the end of the series she ends up with a woman so mm-hmm. i think that's actually pretty quality representation she ends
5: up with a woman but she also like dyson's still not off the table like it's very
3: which i'm totally fine with yeah i mean it's,
5: it's very <laughs> You can have her for some time and I'll have her later. Like
3: in the poly community. All of you. There we
5: go. Yes.
6: Final person that I thought of was uh Captain Jack Harkness. Um I think his because in, in Doctor Who, he's like fun and flirty, and that's fine and everything. He flirts with everyone, but then you get into Torchwood and you get into him and Yanto, and it was just I thought oh. it was a really great story. And the represent oh my god, it's heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Jack and, on- and Yanto. <laughs>
0: And oddly nailed too with Jodie Whittaker is playing one of the doctors. Yes. If she has any, I don't know. I I haven't watched in a couple years, so I'm completely out of the loop. So essentially Doctor Who is very much, probably very pansexual or bisexual as well.
4: Yes. It's interesting um, when you get into this discussion of it though, because you're talking about aliens who are not human. So would we call it like omnisexual at that
5: point
4: university sexual
2: doesn't doesn't captain jack say he's omnisexual yeah because he he does yeah yeah Yeah, because you know if it moves he'll sleep with it Um,
3: (laughs) one more quick one i think um, wasn't there there was also black sales there was some pretty good representation yeah um yeah. in black sales I thought uh, that yeah, that was
0: really yeah. Mm-hmm. and we can put a pin in it there because we have a whole <laughs> section later where we're going to talk about our favorites across <laughs> the spectrum so um so let's move on real quick uh and i'm just realizing i could have done the little special hand signal for our producer <laughs> and say okay but it's we're already past it <laughs> at this point. so yeah i may have to use it in the next part anyway so it's fine i don't want to abuse it too much all right so since the last episode the pop culture role has exploded yet again uh and i want to be very careful to preface this up front um so this conversation is not diving into things like cancel culture or anything like that because that's a completely other ball of wax i'm sure one that we're going to eventually have to tackle because i think it's a conversation that's really important to have when we talk about pop culture but I do think that it's important to have a conversation regarding creators' personal views and how it impacts fans' just enjoyment of a franchise or specific characters. Um, Obviously, the big one that we're going to be talking about tonight is J.K. Rowling, uh, especially very recently. Obviously, though, it it goes beyond even things like that, though, right now, too, and even further back into people like Orson Scott Card when we talk about Ender's Game. And the list just goes on and on and on. But those are two of the biggest prevalent ones. But I have a feeling we're going to focus uh, pretty heavily on J.K. Uh, this evening. So I'm going to turn it over to T.J. because it's been a little bit since he's kind of really dived in. And then I would love
2: to hear from Bill because he's been really quiet. Right <laughs> <laughs> so to bring some some people up to speed, uh, the latest from J.K. rolling, uh, and this will sort of give a timeline for where we're at when you listen to this episode. Uh, a children's website uh, stated that her views on uh, the trans community were harmful, uh, and then she threatened to sue them unless she they took down that opinion. Uh, Jess?
6: Well, to give a little more context, this was also after she published a 3,600-word essay on her website, basically doubling down on her views about trans people. Please continue, TJ.
2: Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the Harry Potter books. I didn't think they were the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, they kind of lost me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, they kind of lost me after the fourth book, but uh, fifth book because I I don't like self fulfilling prophecies. Spoilers for like a twenty year old series, just for the record. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I'm kind of done with her. I will still enjoy the Harry Potter books that I own when I go back to reread them, but especially after the last movie bombed so hard they it <laughs> killed a franchise, I'm kind of out. I don't need her to enjoy the books, and me rereading a book I already own isn't going to give her any more money, so I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: I'm going to dive in real quick to a quick point because there's two people on this call that can really speak to this heavily. And there's a big piece that comes up very often, and I'm going to let Jess or Kat explain this, but it's the concept Mm -hmm. of death of the author. Uh, And I think that kind of comes into play with a little bit of what TJ is saying, but obviously we're in a different situation here. Yeah. And I think to leave it over to an author and an editor and, uh, you know, and somebody that's actually now working more in the, the actual field as well, even deeper, as far as, uh, your Jess, you're now working to do
6: agent work, correct? Yes. Yes. Yes, a yes. Literary yes. agency. I'm currently right. working with one. And, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I figured this is in the two of your wheelhouses amazingly. So, uh, so I'm gonna leave it over to, I'll, I'll Jess or Kat, feel free to take over. I think Jess, you were ready.
6: I'm very ready. Go ahead. And please <laughs> feel free to stop me when necessary. And um,
0: get ready. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I would just like to preface that authorial intent means nothing after you've published the book. I firmly believe that as an editor, as someone who has written books, um, once you put it out in the world, it's not yours anymore. It's in the hands of the readers. And if you don't like what they have to say about it, whoops. Um, This was really personal for me because I have been a huge Harry Potter fan since I was a child. I was part of the generation that grew up alongside the books. I was nine years old when I started reading them and 17 years old when the final book came out. Um, So this one hit me kind of hard. I knew that she had been silently supporting these people, the TERFs, for quite a while, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, for anyone who's a little confused. And within the last couple years, she's done some things that have really elucidated her views on the matter, and I think this just kind of put the final nail in the coffin. Um, She really just doubled down and basically said, that she could not see trans women as women because for somehow they impede on her space as a woman and her struggles as a woman. And I just think that that is so severely misguided. Um, as far as Harry Potter and, and what it means, Harry Potter has a huge online community. It has a huge fan base and it has a huge queer fan base, right? So. All of a sudden, all of these fans, all of these people felt so absolutely betrayed by someone they had admired for so many years, myself included. Um, I met a bunch of friends through Harry Potter. I have a Harry Potter tattoo, for God's sakes. It will always be a part of me and my life, but personally, I am done with J.K. Rowling. Um, The books have far succeeded her, and Harry Potter is more than what Joanne Rowling has to say at this time. Uh, fan fiction is free, folks, so if you really need more Harry Potter stories, frankly, don't give any more of your money to that woman. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Feel free to back me up. Uh, feel free to talk more about the publishing aspect of it, Kat. I know she has a new book coming out in November that she's going to be pushing, and I will not be purchasing it.
5: So the tricky thing with um, where we stand with the J.K. Rowling thing right now is it's very different when the author is dead, for example. Like, if, if you know, the work's over, they're not actively getting money, and they can't speak to a platform. You can, that is where De- I mean, like, Death of the Author truly works very well, like, pre social media and Twitter, because, like, you know, once it's out there in the public, you know, readers will interpret it the way they choose. However, when you have her completely compounding views, it makes you go back and look at her things in a different light. All of those things that, like, you know, even if you want to claim, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore it and, you know, it's still mine anyway, like, I totally agree with, like, fan fiction is out there, you can do things like that, those are healthy ways to, but the problem is, um, when you give her support, and when you give her money, you are giving her power, and she would be nothing without her platform. There are so many authors out there screaming, like, trying to get a voice, And she has this massive, massive following, massive amounts of money and power that were given to her by readers. So as much as you want to say, oh, well, I'm just still going to enjoy it anyway, you know, I'll still buy the next thing or I'll still do that. You are still pushing into, you, you are giving her that platform. Your dollars and the things that you do are giving her that voice to say all these horrible things and to hurt people, like people that I love, people that I care about. And that is where I think you kind of just have to find your personal reasons. And if that's not important to you, then it's not. But, you know, it's very dangerous, especially because of how much money she has and how big her presence is. And when you consider that she was given that presence by the sci-fi fantasy community. And I I have, like, the sci-fi fantasy community has a huge, huge amount of queer folks. Like, you know, we'd glom onto sci-fi fantasy. That's where, like, you know, oh, like, there are outcasts here. There are people who are different here. And that's what Harry Potter used to mean. Well, when you have this woman who is actively damaging her own community, how are kids going to take that, like, future generations? They're not, like, these kids that may have liked it growing up, well, they're growing up in a world where, you know, being trans, being gender fluid, being pan is normal. That's, like, so then you have this old crotchety woman who's just, like, her, she's killing her own franchise to future generations because kids aren't going to glom onto it as easily if they hear this old lady screaming about (laughs) all these horrible things.
0: Jada, it looked like you wanted to jump in real quick.
5: Um, So my daughter
3: actually took white paint and (laughs) whited out JK Rowling's name and painted a trans flag over JK Rowling's (laughs) name on all of our Harry Potter book. And I am completely supportive of this. you know she still loves the harry potter series she's named after lily evans potter for god's sake so mm-hmm. i mean obviously i'm also a huge fan of jk rowling's work but it's like it almost makes you feel dirty you know mm-hmm. um as much as i loved it before i have you know like i have a deathly hollows symbol t-shirt that i got in harry potter world that i'm like i don't feel comfortable wearing that out anymore
0: uh i i i, 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 I totally get it real quick because when we did like you know like positive female characters in, rep- in media. And then I'm like, you know, and just trying to think about things. Like when I was 18, I got a picture like, a, a, you know, an act of the Alex Ross painting of Harley Quinn and Joker tattooed on me. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about that context at all because at that point in time, that character was a, in a children's TV show. Yes. The context wasn't really even there yet. And it, all of a sudden what it stands for and what it's on you, you're like, oh crap. And you have to, <laughs> you do feel dirty about it. It does yeah. hurt a little bit.
3: Absolutely. I mean, it's the same reason why I don't eat Chick-fil-A anymore. I haven't eaten Chick-fil-A since like 2010 when their business model showed that they were donating money towards, you know, anti-LGBTQ, community, uh, you know, char- charities or whatever. But yeah, she's actively stomping on her own community and her own fan base. And not only that, but you're picking on like literally the, the one, like the kids who get bullied the most, the kids who need the most love and support, and you're actively going to stomp on them. Like it just... It, it really breaks my heart. It breaks my heart as a mother. It breaks my heart as a reader. It breaks my heart as a Gryffindor, because I'm sorry, I thought we were the brave ones who fought for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. And it just makes
3: was, me sad.
2: Who said she was a Gryffindor?
3: I didn't say she was a Gryffindor. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> Jess, you wanted to jump in for a little bit there? Yeah. I mean,
6: I, I had my Hogwarts house in my Twitter bio. That's been removed uh, Harry Potter was my safe space for a really long time, a really long time. And trying to distance myself from that recently has been really difficult. Like it's hard. Uh, but if the author is like an absolute shithead, then like, that's not anything I can support anymore. It's tainted my view of the books. Um, I have not, uh, to this point, we were also talking about Orson Scott Card. I haven't reread Ender's Game in years. That's another thing that I just can't distance from the author anymore. Um, and again, that's a personal thing for everyone. It, it's a very personal thing when you identify so thoroughly with a fictional world, fictional characters, etc., and find your sense of belonging there. So I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone how to react to this or how to continue to engage with the media. But uh, man, there, there's a line and she crossed it.
0: Yeah. Aaron. Crossed
6: it hard. Uh, so it's, it's funny, Tija
4: and I have had this conversation a bunch of times over the past five years of being, of like the ability to distance the art from the artist. Um, I've had it a couple of times, especially with things like, you know, these, like what Bill Cosby did. I grew up listening to his comedy. I have a big. Um, my there's a bond with my father because of that comedy because that's kind of we we make personal jokes that way and I don't have a very good bond with my father so like anything I can pull from that but it made that dirty and uh you know actors who we've found since are awful people but I still love their work you know but so I I understand this idea of yeah you feel that that dirtiness to me I am I am of the personal belief that Harry Potter has become much bigger than J.K. Rowling. Yes, yeah, she created it, but with the movies and, like, the world of Harry Potter and Universal and stuff, so I still will wear, I have t- my t-shirts, you know, I will still be my proud Hufflepuff self, but I I will no longer support her in anything new she writes. Um, we'll definitely, like, Teej and I are definitely talking about once this pandemic is over going down to Universal and actually seems we haven't seen the expansion to Harry Potter world and we do want to see that you know so that kind of stuff we're kind of okay doing but nothing that will just give money directly into her pocket Um,
0: Bill you've been pretty quiet for a while so I'd really (laughs) like to hear
1: from you so yeah no so, so obviously you know things like Harry Potter spans so much from books to the movies to all of the side merchandising and world uh, building, theme parks, things like that. Um, Obviously, you know, we know that J.K. Rowling gets a cut of everything uh, from anything that might possibly be sold. But think about all the other producers and creators and creative voices that were, you know, that went into the movie that have gone into the theme parks and got into creating these characters that people have built, built, you know, bits of their lives around. Um, but I know actually it's funny because Ben just chimed in with the name of, uh, you know, people that we can't necessarily watch anymore, um, with Kevin Spacey. I can't tell you the last time I've watched anything with him in it. I just can't do it. Um, I really, I haven't watched Harry Potter in the longest time. Uh, I'm certainly not gonna go out and see any of the new movies. I'm not going to get any of the new books or anything like that. Um, but I definitely think it is a very personal decision. Um, you know, some people have done things that are much worse than others. Obviously people like JK Rowling are still using their platform to, uh, further cause harm to the community, which is something that I think we need to be careful of, um, for people who aren't using their platform to cause harm, you know, current harm to the community, be careful with, um, but again, it's a, it's still a personal decision. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, one of the things I really want to bring up with a lot of this, and I, again, this is not to kind of get into cancel culture kind of discussions of this stuff, but I really think that it's also the role though of people like publicists and publications and any of these other different groups to be like reaching out to somebody like like JK Rowling or any of these people that are actively engaging in this type in this type of culture really heavily and being like look like if you want to roll and continue to have a career you either need to actually like figure out where you stand and if that's the case you have to realize that there's like you know ramifications of, of these things and it means that we won't carry you anymore and those groups need to actually put their foot down on those things like It's a shame that most of them probably will not. I know Kat definitely is ready to jump in. I know they won't. But I mean, like, it's, for a good example, Is like you have groups like, you know, Aaron and I are real big junkies with theme park stuff. Um, You know, Universal Studios is making Epic Universe, and there was another third expansion to the Harry Potter group uh, worlds that they're planning there that was supposed to be around Fantastic Beasts. Well, they got cold feet on Fantastic Beasts, and now they're even questioning if they want to, Change that into something completely unrelated now to it because they're concerned about blowback uh well they got
4: cold feet on that entire park
0: well no <laughs> it's it's still happening it's they're they're actually apparently yeah. still moving forward but that's a different conversation uh but i mean it's i would <laughs> like to see more of them say hey we're distancing because this now reflects on us as well and that's not what we are as people cat
5: mm-hmm. um, unfortunately the way at least like with a lot of that i mean so much of it works is again, and this is the problem with her specifically, like, there are a lot of authors that really wouldn't be in this situation, like, you know, that wouldn't need to have the plug pulled so fully that you could still enjoy, and it wouldn't be a problem. She has way too much money and power. Way, way, way too much money and power. And we have given that to her. And that's the biggest issue, because it's, like, she is a unique situation. Most authors, like, I mean, she's the, like, lotto, you know, thing that all authors talk about of, like, oh, you could be J.K. Rowling. No, that type of situation doesn't, like, that is so, so infinitesimal and rare. Like, it is unreal how, like, different everything is with that. The amount of money she pulls in, the amount of power and platform that she pulls in, they're not going to say shit.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I do get that. I think what it is for me, my my hope is that, with JK Rowling, you know that's not gonna happen, but it needs to be a cautionary tale to other creatives that it's kind of like, look, if you're gonna engage in this kind type of thing and you don't have that power and pull, that companies aren't gonna opt to, for that to be able to continue. And that's what needs to happen. Jess.
6: Really quick. Um, yeah, as far as like the publishing industry aspect of it goes, she is the anomaly. She changed the face of the publishing industry. Unfortunately, she's already earned her money from it. Um, And she's gotten so rich and so powerful, like Kat said, that I feel like her publicists should have just put a stop to it. But they didn't because she has that much clout and that much power. Um, Also, the, the place where it could affect change the most is on the fundamental level of independent bookstores. If these bookstores agreed to To stop giving her as much purchasing power within their stores if they decided to just stop selling them or or having the Harry Potter section be that big, that's really where things would change. I mean, again, she's already made her money and she's made her royalties and she's going to get them for years to come, but that's really where on a cultural level and on a fundamental level, changes could be made.
0: TJ, it looks like you wanted to jump in for a little while now.
2: Yeah, um, this is to sort of shift away from J.K. Rowling and <laughs> um, the dog pile there. Um, <laughs> but so we, we've kind of been mentioning, you know, other people who are talking about it or other people who aren't talking about it. The people who aren't talking about it, if you follow an author and you don't know what our creator, or anything like that, that you don't know what their opinion is on this stuff, badger them until they say it. There is no middle ground here. If they're on the wrong side of this, you need to know. Okay, one of the pe- one of the people I have a great amount of respect for is Chris Evans because he talks, he he practices what he preaches. He stands in support of the community and has done things for them and i know where his stance is but there are other people out there like i'm a big fan of jim butcher i'm in the middle of his new book i don't know what his stance is and i don't know if he's ever said that or if he's keeping it to himself or if nobody's ever asked him if
1: he came out with it publicly i don't think it would be
2: great i don't I'm not sure it would be. He might surprise us, though. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until he says it. Um, but, you know, you should hound those people to give their opinion because there is a right and a wrong to this. And if they're on the wrong side, then you shouldn't support them.
6: Yes, but also, is it our place as fans to... Yes is it our place as fans to insist on that information from people? You know, that is a, it's really hard. Like you don't want to be badgering people. You don't want to harass, but at the same time.
2: But here's the thing for the people, the people who are on the right side of this, it's not harassment. You go, where do you stand? And they'll tell you. If they hem and they haul, they're on the wrong side. This is a black and white issue.
5: Not necessarily. But Again, everybody's you're allowed into... to have their
4: own opinion.
2: Yes, but it, it is also everybody's allowed to be informed about your opinion.
5: Sure, but what is the black and white issue? For example, like you're, you know, everyone has opinions on very specific things, and your views are never going to 100% align with everyone else's. So put... you may have someone.
2: Yes, uh, what I mean is if you support the community or if you're against the community. Yeah. <laughs> That's black and white there is Got no it. middle ground on this okay it's like saying hey uh, I it, it's the difference between saying somebody saying black lives matter and all lives matter well the guy who's saying all lives matter is wrong and he's probably racist okay if you say you don't support the LGBT community oh crap what did I just hit um then. Do you have the right to know that and the right to choose whether or not to support them? I'm not saying you have to badger them to change their mind, but you have the right to know where they stand.
5: Yes, but not everyone has strong stances. So someone may be in the middle of it where they're not actively causing any harm, but they're not like actively supporting, but they're not doing anything negative, which is why they haven't come out with a strong stance. So I think that's not necessarily the right approach Mm -hmm. for everyone
1: uh bill dj think back to your story of when your father talked about the gay man that he knew at work yeah he said well whatever they do in their own time that's fine with you know
2: yes but that's basically. still that's still support it you, might not be st- you really see that really? as
1: support but not everybody not. sees that as support that's, <laughs> that's just, just letting people do their own thing
5: that's ambivalence. That's not support. It's not taking a But they're not saying that
2: they're wrong, and that's where I'm getting. That's where I'm getting it. Support to me is let them be who they are.
1: There's a not... whole. There's a whole lot of ground there, and there's there's a whole lot of gray area in there. Okay. So
0: I, I, basically, yeah. uh, what I was going to bring up with that is, I think, and this kind of mirrors what Kat and Bill is saying, but I think also too, it's. There's a big, huge line with public-facing figures. Absolutely. Like a massive one. And a lot of those people are like, look, like I go through a publicist to make a lot of major statements or things like that because guess what? We're also a culture, especially as fans, that hold every single word for word for word that is uttered and the way that they're uttered under a microscope. And if one word is uttered incorrectly – We're also that same culture that will decimate somebody for the wrong reason. Think about like, um, and I hate to utilize this as uh, as a reference point, but like a year or two ago, and as again, talking about cancel culture, when like an allegation would be made about somebody and then the world would turn on them at the, you know, the, the flip of a coin only for two weeks later to find out this allegation wasn't true. That person's been through the muck. You're also doing that to their family uh, all of these other people. And unfortunately, we are a culture that in, has embraced that so horribly. Mm-hmm. And I think that also scares a lot of people from wanting to come out to say anything. And I think if you're demanding and forcing that from public-facing features, these are, there's a lot of these people that would be like, look, I'm just a normal person. You're seeing a an entertainment persona. And honestly, I think if you're a person that has, like, paparazzi following them and doing all of these other things, they're already getting under and into most of your life. Do you really feel like it's necessary that we need to have them under a microscope all the time in every corner of their lives? Mm -hmm. I think it's more of a problem when it's somebody is actively coming out and waving a horrific banner and saying essentially it's like, it's like, you know, I'm absolutely happy to molest small children or I'm anti-trans or all these things. That's a huge problem. That's, I think, a massive thing. But if somebody's not making a statement, again you have to think about why are they maybe not making the statement are they afraid about the culture that we live in at this time because again we we will turn on them at a moment's notice because that's just who we are as people now and as fans uh and i think that is a big concern to be careful about is that we don't demand too much from our entertainers um jada wanted to jump in and then aaron
3: i just think that well, first of all, I heavily agree with what you're saying um, and that you know there is some gray area here and people are entitled to an opinion. People can have an opinion. People in this country and in the UK where JK Rowling lives are welcome to freely voice that opinion. What they're not free from is consequence. And I think mm-hmm. that's the important part of it because Yes, she has an opinion. She is anti-trans. She does not see trans women as women, which is hurtful and toxic and decimates many people who you know, grew up loving her work. She is not free from the fact that many people who are trans and many people who are allies of the trans community will now see her in a different light and will stop buying her books and will stop going to see her movies. She is not free from that consequence. And honestly, we've seen this in other, you know, maybe less well-known or less, you know, as elevated stances as her. But in pop culture, we have seen things where, I think it was a couple of years ago, there was that show about the family who were duck hunters, uh, the Duck Dynasty people. And the father came out with all, I mean, he was so backwoods and obviously not the best human in the world. But, you know, came out with all this just swill. His entire interview was you know, just horribly racist, horribly misogynistic, anti-LGBTQ, anti-everything that is progressive, and A&E canceled their show. And there was this huge backlash of, well, he is free to say this, and he is free to say that. Yes, and they're also free to cancel his show. Yep. And again, I mean, I don't, I'm not here to like say that cancel culture is everything, but again, we're not necessarily free from consequence. And these things do start out as grassroots movements. They do, you know, 10 years ago I was working in the mall and it was pretty commonplace that we would always go to Chick-fil-A and get refillable sodas for like a few days or go and like get like whatever. One of the, one of my coworkers at the time who was gay came to me and said, I, cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to go get a soda. Do you want one from Chick-fil-A? And he's like, Oh, I don't eat there anymore. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And he told me, you know, okay, they donate to these charities that, you know, go to conversion therapy and anti-LGBTQ and let it down." And I was like, oh, oh, all of a sudden that chicken sandwich doesn't sound so good, you know? And I, I pretty much then and there stopped eating Chick-fil-A because I realized it was being hurtful to my community. And you know, a lot of people that started off as a very small thing and now it's grown and grown and grown. And I feel like that's going to happen with JK Rowling because I'm seeing it right now with my daughter and her friends. They are the next generation. They literally, and again, like Jessica, I know you're, you know, you're much younger than me, but like my daughter's 12 and she's literally named after a book character. She and her friends absolutely grew up loving this series. They idolize the characters and, you know, all of these things. And she's like, J.K. Rowling just simply doesn't exist in that universe. And I think another thing that's really important to bring up um, uh, you know, in the realm of that topic is how all of the actors who have portrayed these characters that we've loved so near and dear to our hearts have come out in such a strong stance in support of the trans and LGBTQ community. And I think that is, that is where we're seeing some of the salvation in the Harry Potter universe. At least to me, that's where I am.
1: The tough part with opinion and consequence which is great yes you can have an opinion but you're liable to consequences for somebody like jk rowling is she has made so much money from where she's been i don't think she feels that she can you know oh if i don't you know she can think i don't need to make any more money i've already got millions and millions and billions of dollars so i'm gonna say whatever the hell i want so, unfortunately, consequence for some people just flies right out the window because they don't give a shit anymore.
3: Well, you know what? Maybe eventually it will see, you know, she'll start to see that tide turn. This is This is like a, what, not even, I mean, I, I've had friends in the trans community who've kind of been like, hey, don't, don't spend so much money on JK Rowling stuff. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had a, a few people, yeah. a, a few people for years who have kind of been like, hey, you know, she's, she's a turf," And I was like, what's that? And they explained it to me. Um, you know, and I'm like, Oh, that's really awful. Um, but you know, then there we were going to Harry Potter world or there we were like, there's, and, and trust me, I'm not always, I'm not proud of that. Um, but there's also like, there's something to be said where it's like, I think that, you know, now she's become so vocal with it that I think that we will start to see it. It's not, it's floods. Don't always start out as a tidal wave. It may start out as a trickle. It may start turn into a stream. And from there, it'll build and build and build. But I think eventually she's going to find that all of her money really cost her, you know, and her, her strong opinion about this really is going to cost her a huge amount of fan base. And I think that in the end, you know, maybe there will be some consequences that she'll acknowledge, but who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe we've already given her too much of our money and that's on us. But at this point, it is what it is.
0: Uh, to kind of like you know wrap that part of the conversation up here uh before we go to break because we're already at an hour uh and congratulations we're through two <laughs> bullet points so uh but i think one of the things that's really tricky is with a lot of that and i again from what i said earlier i don't want to sound like i was trying to stand on the opposite side of things it was more uh we're on a very slippery slope i think with where all of these things fall um and i think Uh, you know there was a great situation earlier that i think kind of mirrors a little bit more of what i was talking about where there was like um sexual uh, assault allegations that came out about a writer and then all of a sudden the community right and then but the community turned on other other writers that though that those writers knew and said well you're their friend why didn't you do anything about this and i'm like and that's where my concerns fall was like You have to be careful about where you're pointing sometimes. And I think you have to be careful about how hard you're you're kicking these people to try to turn over a rock that there may not be something underneath and being careful about what you're doing. And I think the hope is in our culture and world that if you do something horrible, that you're going to get called out and caught for it. And uh, that's when I think people need to quickly act and say, cool, you know, we're not going to support these people anymore. And that's our goal. And the biggest thing that scares me is, like, you know, when Fantastic Beast 3 comes out, that, you know, with the world we live in right now, you know, we have a major catastrophe that feels like it's happening in every turn of 2020. And that's going to be another year or two before this is even out. And I'm hoping our world remembers what's happening now and they just don't quickly heel turn and be like, oh, look, it's another Harry Potter movie. Let's go see it. Yeah. Because the sad, the sad part about this is it feels like, whenever that opens up, whether it's in 2021 or 2022, you know, you're going to see box office numbers that are out the ass again. And you're going to be like, well, we learned nothing. And it's kind of sad to say. Um, and I really just hope that we can try to start retaining knowledge about the things that are happening in our culture, especially in the pop culture and entertainment world and trying to start putting focus on people that deserve it. Like, you know, and are actually trying to move the needle forward in a positive direction instead of constantly shilling out another dollar to somebody that's really damaging, you know, a giant side of of the, you know, the queer culture and just honestly pop culture space. So, um, you know, we obviously didn't get into any of the ideas of retroactive changes, changes to characters, but I mean, <laughs> it feels like that was just going to turn back to talking about J.K. Rowling again. So I feel yeah. like we've already said everything we can and I don't want this to be a episode all about being anti jk rowling and actually get back to talking about pride so i think this is a great place for us to take a break kind of re-kind of configure and then come back and talk about the best representations in queer culture because that's a great way to kind of undo the i think the sad taste in a lot of our mouths Yay. right now about how we're feeling Woo-hoo. so why don't we take a couple minute break we'll be back and then we'll, we'll turn this into a more positive spot so uh <laughs> we'll be back in just a few
3: Take a deep
6: Faith. Should I take a leap?
0: back um and one of the things that i think we really wanted to bring up is jada brought up a really good point in our break conversation about honestly something that you can kind of turn to if you are having difficulties with kind of distancing from harry potter but still want to be in a relatively similar universe so jada um
3: so as somebody who is i've been larping for god like 20 years Um, I have not had the pleasure of going to this LARP, but every one of my LARP friends who has gone has absolutely raved about it. And this LARP is called New World Magiscola. So basically, um, they take over the campus. of It's a college down in Virginia. And you get sorted into houses. Um, There are some people who kind of choose their houses, other people who kind of like want to kind of get sorted when they get there. Um, And you can either play a student or faculty. Um, A dear friend of mine who actually is... um, he has a college professor. He goes and teaches magical ethics at Magiscola. He's been going for, well, obviously not this year, but he went for two years prior um, from when they started that LARP. And it's incredible if you ever get the opportunity to go and you want to kind of have that experience of magical world, doing things like having, you know, the, hug, the, the end of the season ball. Um, they are magic dueling. There's classes. There's all different things that you can be involved in, student life, that sort of thing. And it's a weekend where it's full immersion, Um, so think of it as like a mini vacation. It might be a couple hundred bucks, but it would definitely be worth a trip. So if that's something that you're interested in and you really like the whole experience of the magical world, and even if you've never LARPed before, but you just want to give it a go and have, you know, next year when things are safe to go, I would highly recommend New World Magiscola.
0: And Kat, you have, do you have a website up or Jada, did you have the, at least the spelling for Magiscola? If you could just repeat it real
3: quick. So it's New World, as in, you know, N-E-W-O-R-L-D, Magiscola, M-A-G-I-S-C-H-O-L-A. Perfect. Um, I can make a few texts, and if you are patient with me, and when I get a response, I will post it in the group chat, if you would.
0: Yeah, actually, just do that, and I'll make sure to put that in the notes for the podcast. Um, Actually, uh, Ben actually already looked it up. It's just Magiscola, M-A-G-I-S-C-H-O-L-A.com. So you can just go right there, check that out. And then Mm -hmm. again, when it's a safer, better world, uh, you can still kind of get a chance to dive into that. Uh, One of the other things before we kind of really tilt back into this, you know, from our, where we left our conversation, um, I did want to just kind of reiterate something because we try to be a very positive podcast is, you know, really just take a deep breath when things start hitting uh, between pop culture with icons or anything like that. Before you tweet, make a rant, anything like that, take a step back and wait. Wait for more news to come out. Make sure you're getting behind the right part of the cause. Understand what's happening. Um, Because, again, we want to make sure that, you know, we're not adding to a toxic uh, toxicity in fandom or in pop culture. Please see episodes from last year where we actually covered this in great detail. Um, and honestly, one of the things to remind yourself too, is just because somebody posts something, it could be because their publicist did it. It could be doing this. It could be because it's a PR stunt. You really have to take a step back sometimes and just kind of think about what's happening in our world right now. And I think it's important to remember those things, especially when it's something that you are really behind and it's a cause you're behind that it's easy to kind of get riled up. So we just remind people just to take a breath sometimes before you react. Uh, I think those things are important. But if somebody's kind of being a hard person and it's very clear that they're a hard person, absolutely. Stand, stand, uh, Stand firm on your grounds and believe in your causes. I think that's a really important thing, which is why we're doing episodes like this. So, so going from one positive statement to another positive piece is let's talk about something we wanted to talk about last episode, which is the best representations of queer culture in pop culture. And again, you know, we'll get into the worst of it. Um, and there's plenty of worsts, especially as you, you can pretty much listen to most of all of episode 63, where we said, Hey, anything from like the nineties or anything from before it, or probably going to be in that worst list. But, um there's been a lot of really great things so tj you look like you're ready
2: yeah because i know uh, i've got two but i know they're probably going to get stolen fast (laughs) go ahead (laughs) um
0: and try to give some context of why because i think that's important versus just saying a name
2: uh so the first one um is uh the cw dc shows um they're a great representation um they have a ton like Sarah Lance is the basically, you could argue, the lead for Legends of Tomorrow. And she is a bisexual woman who is with another woman. Uh, but she's also been with guys. Um they they've done a really good the um and now I forget her name, the new woman who is playing uh Batwoman.
0: Uh, um, I think it's I think it's Javica. Yeah, Javica. I, I, and it's possible that we're pronouncing that horribly wrong. So
2: I do yes. apologize about that. But, um, you know, she just got cast as a new Batwoman. She'll be continuing to be, port- uh, they'll continue to portray Batwoman as a lesbian. Uh, it, it's great representation for the community. Uh, and I wanted to get that one out there before Kat took it from me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm actually going to jump right in from where you're at, Tej. And I've, I've
0: there's two that come into mind really clear. And I think um, one of the other pieces is also talking about Batwoman was also talking about Ruby Rose. It was great to have a non-binary lead of a show. Mm-hmm. It's a shame she's not in the role right now. I mean, she stepped away and there's a lot of, you know, oddity about what the reasoning was. And I don't think it's ever going to really come out or if it doesn't come out, it, if it does come out, it's going to be probably many years before that story is really told about what really happened there. But I, I think it was great to have that kind of representation for a show. lead. But I think one of the ones that I really thoroughly adore, uh, and I know it's a show that right now was going through a lot of inner turmoil about how to handle what's happening in our world right now, which is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And how do they handle what's happening in our current culture with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement? But I think Andre Brouwer has done an amazing job portraying Captain Holt. And it really, honestly, him and Kevin as a gay couple is so wonderful because it doesn't lean into stereotypes at all. And I really love the fact that they really took a lot of time and care in crafting his character to be like – about how hard he had to fight not just being a black male trying to become a captain and rise through the ranks of the NYPD but also what it was like to be a gay black male going through that process. And I think that was really important that they really dove into it. And like they never tried to like make it a more you know kind of statement. It was just they were really just natural about here's a little bit more about his character and his history and who he is and the things he went through. But they always leveraged it and utilized it the right way. And I think it was really important and it was really great messaging to be able to show that and such an amazing representation in TV. Um, Aaron,
4: um, I'm going to uh, touch on one we've already talked about real quick, but uh, John Barrowman is Captain Jack. I mean, Captain Jack was unapologetic of who he was, which was fantastic. And it, it also helps that, I mean, John Barrowman is unapologetic of who he is as a person. If you've ever seen him um, in, a, in Comic-Con, he comes out and gives some of the best shows I've ever seen. And the best was I took a friend to Comic-Con who had never seen John Barrowman outside of being um, Mer- Merlin in Arrow. And I was trying to explain to him, I said, this is going to be very different. And the woman in front of us turned around she goes you've never been to a john barrowman panel oh you are in for a ride <laughs> and it's just his h- him as a person i think really made that character and really informed what that character was and the fact that yes he was flirty and if it was to rose or to the doctor but then even jess pointed out the the relationship with him and yondo in torchwood was just one of the most loving wonderful relationships and then at that end heart-wrenching oh my god i have never cried that much before ever at a tv show but it um just, yeah
0: yeah I, I i really would love to turn over to ben because ben has been somebody that has moderated for john baron Ugh. and i think he has a story he could tell us
7: i, I yeah i could tell the story very quickly um and then mm-hmm. i'm gonna give this
0: special sign to wrap you up
7: <laughs> okay, that's fine. I, I, I can do that. I'll have that ready. Uh, no, it, I can attest firsthand to how Barrowman is on stage. Uh, he is somebody who does not need a moderator. Uh, so I had the honor to go out and introduce him one year at a con. And it, it was by pure accident. I happened to go backstage just to see if he was going to be cross-dressing on stage, which he does a lot. And he was, he was wearing a a complete jumper and I got flagged over and asked to introduce him because production wasn't ready and I absolutely took the honor. I went out on stage, gave this big boisterous introduction to John, uh, and then unbeknownst to how things were going to go from there, uh, tell me what you want by the Spice Girls started playing. Uh, John came out and did the Mick Jagger strut around me for what felt like an eternity, but was probably only 25 seconds, uh, giving me the Mick Jagger lips, staring directly at me the entire time. And I just slowly backed off stage and let John (laughs) do his thing, only to walk backstage and have John's husband, Scott, laughing hysterically at me And Scott telling me uh, he did that on purpose because he knew how bad you've always wanted to moderate for him. So he wanted to make it as memorable as possible. And I was (laughs) like, yep, uh, mission accomplished. I will (laughs) never forget this forever. And then the next day uh, he ended up crashing another panel I did with Victor Garber and Ravi Amell and which made the weekend even better. So yes, John is a, is a character. In the least, and I will, um, I will never. Not ah, crap! I'm done.
0: So the academy is playing our producer off <laughs> off air. Ben, Ben, thank you very much. No um, <laughs> um, if anybody else, feel free to dive right in. Cat.
5: Um, I want to bring up. I know we talked about Lost Girl earlier. Um, that one is. Such an amazing. I mean, especially just because like there's a by-lead. Like it's so common for there to be LGBTQ characters as sideline ones, but very rarely as the lead. And um, but also by the same creators, Winona Earp has fantastic representation as well. Way hot. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Had the hugest crush on um Nicole from Winona Earp. And I mean, like, you know, they do a really great job there, too. Um, Everything is very natural. Jess. Uh, TJ mentioned DC.
6: I would like to mention Marvel. Basically, the entire run on Young Avengers that was done by Karen Gillan about, like, six-ish, seven-ish years ago you've got america chavez who is miss america who is confirmed to be into women you have hulkling and wiccan who are a couple and i love them and they're adorable and you have kid loki who is very gender fluid and continues to be so in a lot of the new marvel stuff that's come out so i just really love the representation in that and i also Love any chance to talk about Karen Gillan's run on Young Avengers because it's one of my favorite graphic novels.
2: (laughs) Okay, Uh, I just hope that they carry over Loki's um, sexuality or
6: gender fluidity. fluidity,
2: Yeah, thank you. Into the his new series because I think that would be that that would be a great way to represent that, especially with Tom Hiddleston playing the main part of Loki.
0: Uh, Jada.
3: Um, Larry from um. Oh, why am I blanking on the name of the show? I just had it like literally on the tip of my tongue. Um. Uh, um.
0: The Doom Patrol. Guy. Doom Patrol. Oh yes.
3: Oh my God! Yes. So good. Um, I just I love you know negative they, man. The, Yep. Yes, they they show you know sort of the queer experience from ages ago, but they they show that he's still you know he's still who he is. Um in the later seasons when it's obviously in the present day versus the flashback. So Kat already took mine as of lost girl, but I always think that that's like a really (laughs) good um, quality representation. Um, Another one that I think another character that I absolutely love is a Titus Andromacon, Andromedon, sorry, Andromedon from um, Kimmy Schmidt. He is yeah. genderqueer, gender um, gay, male, pre- mostly male presenting, but um, genderqueer in a lot of scenes. And just, oh my God, the character is just a ride. He's so fun and so supportive, but at the same time kind of like just flamboyant and very over the top. Um, so that's just, I, I love that representation for him.
4: I think that's another uh, situation where the actor really is embodying that character because Titus Burgess is very much like that in mm-hmm. life
0: uh Aaron or Bill do you have any any additionals that you would like to add into the mix?
1: I mean I could throw in what we had prefaced the last show with, David from Shit's Creek. Mm. Absolutely. He's a fantastic character. What just,
0: what is it for you that really resonates for with his character for you?
1: He just he just goes along with, you know, just goes along with the flow of things. Again, the whole uh, the whole scene with the hook, the the wines and not you know enjoying the wine and not necessarily you know needing to look at the label like it, it's it's a nice fluid thing that doesn't have doesn't have to be tied down to anything uh cat
5: um i mean you mentioned it a little bit earlier but we didn't really have a chance to dive into it but uh since eight is like one of the best representations of just the broad spectrum of what LGBTQA is, like, of the queer community out there, and I mean, like, they cover so many different facets of life, they cover so many different types of sexuality, they, I mean, I think they have representation for just about everyone, and even, like, um, I mean, I don't really know if anyone in the cast is quite straight, Per se, because like they all—I mean, there there are a lot of scenes where they're all kind of communing sexually together. <laughs> so, but it's really, really beautiful because it just shows how powerful love and connection is, and I think that's a really, really good message.
0: i i, I gotta say too, some of the best sex scenes that are filmed in all of television oh, they're too. Gorgeous, they they're are so pretty.
3: St- oh my god, stunning,
0: absolutely stunning. Yeah, uh, Jada.
3: Um well, you mentioned her earlier, but I'm gonna say Rosa Diaz because I mean she's just she's just amazing. and I like the fact that she is not only a bi woman, but she's not fetishized. They write that character so well. She's not all cutesy and like just making out with girls or whatever. Like they write her as bisexual for who she is. Um, and I just I really appreciate that because also often, when we have female bisexual characters, they're pretty standard fetishized for the male gaze. And she's not here for that. Like she is who she is and that's just it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben, you had one you wanted to mention.
7: Uh, I did, I'm gonna throw two names out there and then I'm gonna quiet myself and let you talk amongst yourselves. But uh, two of the best characters that I feel are very openly sexual on television Right now, uh, Laszlo and Nadia, yes, yay, from what we do in the shadows,
2: absolutely. Uh, TJ, uh, I'm gonna throw out another one. Um, Critical Role this season has been very good at representation. Um, I know I think Aaron and I are the only two that actually watched the full episodes, but they've done a lot with, um, uh, queer characters, and even not being in the body you—you suppo- are supposed to be in. Uh, trying not to give too much away, but it's—it's uh, it, it's really well done, and they—they do—they uh, do a good job of representing it. Awesome, uh, Kat. You had another one.
5: I mean, there are tons from books, but one I did want to bring up was. Um... I just will appreciate it. It's um, the Raven Cycle with uh, Ronan and Adam. were a Yay. fantastic couple in that series. And I liked that it wasn't like overstated. It didn't smack you in the face with it. It was just a natural, like for a YA book, it was a natural exploration of sexuality, you know?
0: Um, Aaron, uh, do you want to chime in? If you have a personal favorite?
5: Funny
4: enough like well I, I, I said Jack but uh, I actually just before Ben had had brought up Nadia and Laszlo I was ex- thinking that exact one like that those two characters especially they have like this celebration of how they are sexually and the fact that they were both discussing their sexual exploits with the Baron very <laughs> yes. openly you know it's just it, it, it was very um, natural. Mm-hmm. very it wasn't like oh this is something funny and and it, we're, you know it's it's just uh, you know because we're vampires it just it was very it almost was if you just took away the whole vampire aspect of it it was just a normal conversation.
0: Yeah.
6: Kind
0: of thing, I, so. I uh, there was another great scene this this season too. It's for a little spoiler jump for people, but uh, fair warning because but it, or normal rules it's well beyond two weeks. Uh, with the great uh, Nandor and Laszlo scene after they were caught by the witches mm-hmm. finishing each other off at the end of the evening was mm-hmm. was actually really well handled even the way they did it too. Like the humor was the way things finish, but it was really amusing on how they play it. But even even those characters actually seem like they have a bond as well. Um, the one actually I actually really wanted to bring up, and I apologize because I can't remember the character names at all because I've seen the movie once. It's only been out for a handful of weeks, I think like two weeks. Uh, but the movie Old Guard that recently came out on Netflix uh, has one of the best gay relationships I have ever seen portrayed in anything especially for a, 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 an action movie. It, there, there's two supporting characters that play opposite of Charlize Theron's character, uh, who's the lead of this, um, that give one of the best speeches I have ever heard about loving any person, let alone regardless of sexuality. It is so beautifully, beautifully done. And you even have Charlize Theron playing almost kind of a, a, a non-binary um, kind of lead in this as well. And they do a really great job with the whole thing. And it's one of those things, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend checking it. Cat
5: Names are Joe and Nikki.
0: Joe and Nikki. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's again, I know it's really, very, really, very, very recent. Um, but if you haven't given it a shot, and you're 50-50 about trying new things, that is one that I think is really well worth your time. Uh, especially for subverting expectations of an action film. So... Um, Any other big ones people really want to bring up or any great other representations that you think really are demanding of attention? No one.
3: Uh, I'll pop up with my daughter's favorite of my hero academia. (laughs) She loves that series. Um, And I think we mentioned a lot of cartoon shows last, um, last time, but um, definitely my hero academia, Um, you really great portrayal of all different types of LGBTQ communities. Um, and just different relationship structures. And uh, I know she she's head over heels for it. Jess.
6: How have we not mentioned Willow? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> she's
5: mean, like, like one of the OG ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well,
0: I think it's important also too, like that we, I, I'm amazed that Kat or Jess hasn't brought this one up, but red, white, and royal blue. Isn't that a huge one for you guys?
5: Oh, so yeah. good. Very yeah. Good.
0: Do you guys want to talk a little bit about it, real quick?
5: <laughs> um, you have that the one... red? <laughs> yeah, right. Get the music ready. We have
0: the music at the ready. It's fine.
5: <laughs> uh, go yes? for it. No. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was. I mean, it's a new adult. Um, it was a book that really popularized um, LGBT romance because honestly, I think there really isn't a lot. Like we were talking about this last time, but there's not a lot on the shelves. And while there's a lot out there, a lot of it is in with niche publishers or things like that. And it made a really, really good step in popularizing it. It was a really beautifully written book. It was phenomenal. Um, The representation was amazing. But um, what it did was really good because I think it really pushed things in a more open direction for at least traditional publishing, putting out more queer romance.
0: Yeah. Uh, one I feel like I have to bring up too, and I'm, I'm also amazed Kat didn't bring this one up, is honestly just uh, for for gamers, I think it's really great to bring up Bioware and such. I, I think it's really important to the fact that there's been forward momentum about having relationships in video games and it's not all action set pieces and all of those, pe- uh, all, all of those angles, but you know, we even have like The Last of Us Part Two recently and I think video games are starting to make heavy strides forward to really legitimize not only just relationships, but even queer relationships, I think is really great to see the last few years, a really great drive forward. Uh, Jess.
6: Um, Eleanor from The Good Place, because uh, Kristen Bell has stated multiple times that she, she plays her as bi and she was wearing rainbow shirts in the last season. And that was just really great to see. Uh, Also something that's kind of topical right now, you guys mentioned Glee earlier, uh, Brittany and Santana. Yes. A really important, important relationship of the early 2000s for representation.
0: And Kurt and Blaine were another great one too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, they
6: had really good representation for all of its flaws. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, Jada, you had something real quick as well.
3: Um, I was gonna mention the new Harley Quinn series, Her and Ivy. I think is wonderful um they do a really good job with that um another one i think it's more alluded to in the series and i think we touched on it briefly last time is avatar cora
2: mm-hmm. um
3: they allude to her being by. they never actually say it in the show so i'm not going to count it as like 100% great representation but at the end she does go off with Sami. again that's another one i feel like that the whole first season like the love triangle plot gets a little tired to me because i feel like that whole situation could have just been solved by polyamory but (laughs) i digress um i think that you know in the end her kind of going off with a female love interest it it, you know kind of catches a good spot with you know my by pride heart
2: (laughs) tj uh so in the official follow-up comics to legend of korra they actually explicitly state that they are together, they show them Kiss, they show them as a couple. Good. Uh, and the um, guys who did it said they pushed it as far on television as Nickelodeon would allow at yeah. the time. So th- they basically, they always had that in mind and the interpretation was correct. Um, but also another really good one recently is Shira
3: yes i was actually going to mention that but yes I'm glad you did take it away unicorn <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you have more to say
2: <laughs> no no I was just uh shira's like i i did not expect to get that into you know uh, into that show and it dragged me in and i was there for every moment of it and uh was very excited at the end when they actually I was, because I'm going, uh, they're just going to allude to it again. They're just going to allude to it again. They're going to cop out. They're going to, oh, hey, look at that, they did it.
0: <laughs> I will say, I've watched a couple quick episodes real fast. I'm really impressed with
2: the show. So yeah, watch it start to finish. It is so good. Cat, uh,
5: um, just jumping off from uh, the Glee point too. Another one was um, Coach Beast and um, being a trans character at the end. That was really really like there really aren't a lot of represent like there's not a lot of trans representation since eight like nomi's character and since eight was amazing but like there isn't a lot on tv still
0: yeah um, super yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh jess like, oh sorry go ahead i'm uh, sorry kat <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off
5: <laughs> but yeah no it's just um it's really nice to see like some of those early examples handling things well um and i'm hoping that there will be more in the future
6: I think we mentioned this last time, but um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yes. Yes, has um, a really great gender fluid character uh, played by Alex Newell. And it's just really, really awesome to yeah. see them and express themselves and sometimes be dressed very femme. And then sometimes it's just, a, guys, it's a great show. It also has music. So just go watch it.
3: I love it.
0: All right. Uh, So I have to move us forward a bit, because we're on the first point. It's been almost 30 minutes. Um, We're we're lining up for part three of our Pride episode at this point. But I feel like it's important for us to also bring up, um, and I think we can kind of combine something here a little bit, and then let's talk about the worst representations after this. But who do we feel are the best icons or best role models of all of these? Let's make this try to get this through this pretty quickly. So if everybody tries to come up with, if you can think of one you think as a really good standing ground, um, I think is a great place to kind of lead from. Um, anybody have something, somebody in their mind? Whether it's even, even if it's an ally, too. Uh, I understand
2: the
3: uh, okay are we talking like celebrities or are we talking like somebody from a specific show it can, be, it, can or? Be, it can
0: be character it can be a character or it can be the, an actor themselves as a great advocate um cat okay, you like you're, you're always you're you ready
5: uh i think ruby rose is a really good like good with representation um Not only with the roles that she chooses, but even like the one video she put out about like trying to explain gender fluidity and stuff like that is really poignant and pretty. If you haven't gotten a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. It's just a short film.
0: Mm -hmm. Really wonderful. Uh, Anybody else have any major ones they would like to bring up? Aaron.
4: No, Patrick Harris. I think he's a wonderful role model, both with the um, roles he chooses, um, Hedwig being an amazing um, instance of. Both a very interesting look at a transgender um, operation and then also just his uh, very out and proud uh, social media existence with his family and his wonderful husband. Uh, You know, I think that's a great thing to look at and say, see, this is normal.
1: Uh, Bill, I think uh, the guys from the new, the reboot version of Queer Eye um oh, they really again not not so much that I've, I've really seen a lot from them in terms of social media presence or things like that and I'm, and I'm sure they have it um but in terms of a, a a format that may be able to reach out to a little bit more of the the more conservative regions of our country and our world um because they are normal people they're just people just like you and me and some you know some of our more, you know, conservative uh, family or friends may uh, be may feel that it's a little bit easier to take them in uh, because they really just talk about, you know, good things of taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you, and you know, it's it's really good. It's feel good. It's it's heartwarming. And they're not. Uh, besides, for I can't remember his name. Um, um, they're not all that. They're not all that extra. So it's You're thinking easily digestible. Yes, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> they're easily digestible.
4: Um, what I very much like about that show, too, is the fact that they went in and said, How can we make your life better? What can we do to help you? you it wasn't like the original show which was like we are coming in and bringing all of what we know and what we like into you and kind of like spoon feed it down your throat um but they seem like they and it's very interesting to watch shows where they do go into more conservative areas and some people are like we've never met a gay person before which you know is totally untrue but <laughs> they've never met a gay person that's out and proud
0: right. yeah. yeah uh i think uh, there's a person we haven't brought up in all of this which has been kind of surprising that i just kind of realized um I I think one of the best icons out there that's an amazing role model, Sir Ian McKellen. Uh, He's he's such a wonderful person, but like you hear about how much, how much of his life he's spent for advocacy. Um, And one of the few people that is a sir in all of this too, that has gone through all of this, which is really just an amazing and astounding feat. And honestly you hear from so many stories whether it's behind the scenes in his throughout his career of what an amazing person he is to every single person he works with but how much he speaks out for the community consistently and has done for most of his life has been just honestly amazingly inspiring and I think he's one of the few people out there that is I think deserves a lot more praise for his work that he's done behind the scenes that feels like it doesn't quite get the the credit he deserves. So, Uh, Jess, you look like you have one.
6: Yeah, Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, It's also Transcendence, right? Is the other major property I think they work on?
6: I think so. I don't know. Can somebody confirm that? I will
0: have to look it up. Yeah,
6: no, I just... (laughs) We're at this point where... I think that people want to tell trans stories, but for some reason they are so hesitant to cast trans actors in these trans stories. And like, why? And I feel like Laverne Cox, she really paved the way. Orange is the New Black was very revolutionary in that regard. Um, And it was portrayed with as much respect as they could as they could at the time it was very revolutionary
0: uh, i can't confirm on that I, I know that was a show recently but i believe liver and cox was involved in some way shape or form i yes. could be wrong and then
6: he was also in the rocky horror that they did
0: yes yes <laughs> um anybody else have any other major ones they would like to bring up before we kind of move forward Um Ben mentioned one other one as well is um mentioned uh Billy Porter and also Ellen DeGeneres so mm-hmm. um Alright, so why don't we get into one area I know we wanted to talk about a little bit, which is some of the worst representation. <laughs> and I know that's kind of there's a lot to go into, so I, I think with this one, we'll try to keep this relatively short, but if anybody has one that really sticks out for them. Um, and there might be some that people will feel that it's necessary to defend, so if you feel like there's a reason to, feel free to dive in.
2: Um, TJ? Uh, I think comic books could definitely use some more representation um you know i, I love comic books so defend you know, i'll hand them out to anybody who wants <laughs> who wants them uh i th- made the, jada's daughter's night uh, a couple weeks ago by handing her uh, an entire zip drive of them um but there's no like in looking for things for her you know, there wasn't a lot I could give her that was age appropriate, and still covered the issues or the ideas that she would be facing. And
6: Young Avengers,
2: yeah, Young <laughs> Avengers is is one. Congratulations, we have one. And even that's not there's some stuff in there that wasn't exactly age-appropriate. Fair. Okay. You know, there's tons of stuff out there for, you know, straight people, but comics need to start reaching out, especially if they want to survive. And especially if they want to survive after this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jess, you looked like you had one.
6: I did. Uh, just a quick aside. Yes, comics is a whole other thing we could talk about. Um they really need to work on their representation. But the Star War, please, please put people <laughs> into the Star War. Also, let Finn and Poe kiss. Thank you. Right? Yes. That's all I wanted to say.
3: Again, another thing that could be solved by polyamory. I'm just saying.
6: Also true. Listen, Ray and Finn and Poe as a triad, I'm into yes? it. Right? Here for. Maybe We could all
4: feel that sexual it. tension, right, throughout yes. the entire last movie. Totally.
2: <laughs> the Star okay. War. Veered off the way. I'm just going to say, Ray and Poe really didn't meet until the last movie. So. Well, no, here's the
6: thing. They need Finn because they yeah. butt heads, and Finn is the, the cinnamon bun that holds them all right. together.
2: Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, we'll probably never see that because all three actors have basically said, yeah, we're done.
3: Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs>
0: no, Neither do I. It's all right. It sounds like we are going to be getting something that's going to be making an announcement soon. It sounds like we're going to get the Pansexual Adventures of Lando Calrissian on Disney+. <laughs> that
2: would be so, good. Uh,
0: so, um, all right. Uh, Jada, did you have one at the ready as well?
1: Um, or worst representation or Bill? I couldn't remember. I thought I saw one of your hands up.
3: No, I think you saw Bill.
1: I mean, there's, there's John Constantine um, from the movies and then from the the short-lived tv series well Um, that you remember that is the john
0: constantine that's in legends
1: right he corrected it for legends or not necessarily (laughs) he but the writers corrected it for legends um so there there, there's some hope there cat
5: um this is where i mean i know we were going to mention it earlier but uh jk rowling um this is where Dumbledore, I think, comes in, because that was, like, queer baiting the entire freaking time. Bare minimum. It like, was the bare it minimum. It was, yeah. Like, all of a sudden later, oh, he's gay! And it's like, alright, but then, like, she never actually, she just kept, you know, she wanted to throw in on it, but then never actually, like, did anything with it.
6: And then the audacity! to assume and to infer something between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and then to make a movie out of it and not even make their relationship the basis of the movie. No.
0: Um, I'm going to say for me, all of Disney.
6: Yes.
3: <laughs> um,
0: and that's, with the amount of that Disney owns, dear God, that's a lot of entertainment. It's a lot um, of properties. It's, it's really, really, really sad that in general, not just the Star War, uh, but it, there's so much that they could do for the betterment of just inclusiveness in general. It's so sad that they're so stuck in the 1940s and 50s that they're afraid to take a step forward. And every time that they do, even if it's the smallest microcosm in the background, everybody like loses their mind because the fact that they're doing any movement is blowing people's brains. And it's it's really disappointing.
2: It's really, really disappointing. Uh, TJ. There's actually been a lot of... Not a lot, but I've noticed it lately. Um, like, James Gunn said, oh, I was going to make Velma gay in the first live-action uh, Scooby-Doo movie. And, and there's no proof of that. There's no first draft script. It's just him saying that. And, it's, you know, why didn't you say that, you know, originally when the movie came out? Oh, we were going to make Velma gay, but the studio stepped in and said no.
4: There are a couple deleted scenes that are in the first, this is so sad, I know this, that are in the first movie that do imply, because Velma gets drunk and is, like, seductively singing to Daphne. But it's implied. There was it's, a you know, lot of
0: imply in that movie, like you have like Scooby and Shaggy like like with the mystery machine band pulled off to like on the beachfront and you yep. see all the yeah. smoke in this sand. it's so baked and it cuts into them making a sandwich.
4: Yeah. Like yeah. there's a lot
0: of imply all over that movie. Uh but so I wouldn't still, be surprised but it's it feels like they're so afraid to still take the leap.
2: Right and it, uh Dumbledore was another one um it just feels it's like it feels to me sometimes these creators are trying to make a score points and i don't think that's right
6: it was really quick on scooby-doo it was not just the guys who did the live action it was also the producers of the mystery incorporated show that ran on cartoon network not too long ago
3: right. they
6: also said yes we had intended her to be gay but again we were stopped by the studio so for whatever
5: that's worth
0: Kat, you had something? I
5: feel like Thor Ragnarok, too. They danced around it where, like, it's very clear that, like, a lot of the characters are or definitely could be, you know, at least bisexual, and none of it was, like, ever really
2: addressed. Yeah. They
5: like, did a great job in, like, just dancing around it. Like, oh, we're never going to explicitly say anything.
6: Yeah.
3: Jada. Did they ever um, officially confirm that with Captain Marvel? Because that's—I mean—that seems to me—that seems very like natural that she would be did. like part of the LGBTQ. Yeah,
5: but the LGBTQ I don't think
7: they, they ever. No, I don't
5: think they yeah. ever because they, again. These are owned by Disney.
3: Like, yeah, and really see another one. Not want- <laughs> another one that I, I really feel needs to have an LGBTQ aspect to it would be Wonder Woman. I mean, she grew up on Them a fucking Scara for Christ's well, sake. Yeah. Like
0: she, they've in the comics they have had her have relationships with women. Uh, many Which many different relationships. They need to bring that into her the her movies history. then.
3: They absolutely need to bring that into movies because the representation is there. And I mean, Wonder Woman has a very uh, queer and uh, interesting backstory in and of itself. But um, given the creator was highly into BDSM and also in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really, I'd hate to see there There should be some representation within the movies as opposed to just having her be like so obsessed with, you know, fall on the first dick she sees.
6: hmm
4: It is Chris Uh, Pine, though, and, I I mean, that would turn any woman straight, to to be fair.
2: (laughs) Actually, uh, if you want to read a good representation on Wonder Woman as uh, LGBTQ, um, Grant Morrison's uh, Wonder Woman Earth One. Yes. There's two books out, and actually, I think they're on that drive. I gave oh, the little good. All right. Oh, uh, I-, I
0: believe there's a third one coming yeah, next year. Yeah, there's a third year.
2: one coming next year, but it is a fantastic representation and it's, um, them, it's
0: it's also them embracing all of the characters original past and history yeah. as far as the creator as well,
2: which is fantastic. Ah, nice.
3: Right. I'll have to look I'll look into that one.
2: Actually, it, what's great is in the first volume, there's two the, the first volume, there's not a punch thrown
3: oh good all right oh
0: <laughs> so that means it's time to move on all right <laughs> so uh, um we we still have a lot to do and i'm looking at the clock and it feels like we're we're getting really dangerously close to two hours am i right ben i i think i don't know
7: yeah i think you're you're uh all right, you're approaching that mark. Save okay. For
5: a Pride episode next year. <laughs> uh, we we could,
7: but I I do think you know I do feel like that we have
0: covered a lot of forms of entertainment that we felt have represented the really positive changes. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode and a little bit throughout here, when the ways that we've talked about some of these pieces and shows and such. So I think we can kind of um, you know move a little bit through that a bit, but I think it's it's important for us to kind of still. Dive into this topic a little bit, so I will ask that we try to speed through this a little bit. Um, So, is there any areas in, uh, you know, entertainment right now we feel that is where people's focus should be at to look at the best representation of queer culture, and then where do we all personally feel that this is still significantly lacking? And I know we kind of answered a little bit of that just a moment ago when we talked about things like Disney and such like that, but I, I mean, personally for myself. I feel like cartoons are actually leading the charge, which is kind of been amazing between Steven Universe. We've mentioned, you know, uh, Shira recently. I I mean, there's so many and the list goes on and on. Kat?
5: Um, In the book world, I feel like YA is leading the charge. Like it's doing the best job at inclusivity and really pioneering characters as leads or at least in like involved in the books and stuff actively you know um a lot of the adult books apart from romance where like you can like you know they have a little romance still has issues with separating things out not really allowing for broad reach but i feel like when it comes to traditional publishing with like broad reach and things like that ya is really leading the charge.
1: Uh Bill. Say, anime really is uh, can lead the charge here too, uh, and it does something that uh, American cartoons do not do, uh, which is tell stories outside of a sitcom comedy framework. Um, there's so many cartoons out there, you know, that are doing great things and having good points, like BoJack Horseman, uh, for one, against Steven Universe. But they all have that kind of. There's a bit of a comedy thread throughout them uh, whereas anime definitely deals with there there can be shows that are just complete dramas so um, I definitely think they could uh, keep that going because they've definitely explored a lot I mean there's been a lot of wacky issues they've explored before but uh, you know they could explore these you know, current serious issues too
2: um, TJ uh, I think a good place is Doing a lot is uh, non-basic network stuff, like HBO, Showtime, uh, areas like that. They're doing a lot of good content there, and they're pulling things out really well. Uh, I would really say that straight up, Hulu and Netflix. I feel like because
0: they don't even have to worry about even like the same kind of I think reins that places like HBO and Showtime do. And because that the fact that they have all these analytics for what people are watching and what people are looking for, they know where and how to take the best calculated risks, and they're doing it well. They're doing a really good job of driving things forward and not being afraid to do it. Erin? Uh,
4: um, something we haven't talked about is live theater. I think live theater can really push the charge here on on really having fantastic representation because a lot of the times it's uh, it tends to be able to be a little bit more visceral story uh, if you look at some of the incredibly hard-hitting um, LGBTQ plays a normal heart and stuff like that um, that's I think where where uh, I guess culture can really look at, to see, you know, really good representation of of LGBT,
0: LGBTQ. cat.
5: Uh, um. I actually, this is kind of random because they they were in the very poor representation category last year and really under heat for it. But there is some new news on it that could be hopefully interesting going forward. Um, last year there was the whole debacle with the Homer Channel being, you know, pulling a. Mm-hmm an ad with the, I was was it with two women yeah but you know that was a big thing especially because like the Hallmark movies are all very hetero yeah that wasn't um, last
4: year that was Mother's Day that was this was year
5: that? Jesus <laughs> um, <so it's,
0: laughs> ah COVID time <laughs> um,
5: so the good thing that came from all that though is this year at Christmas we are getting queer Hallmark Christmas movies so yay like let's hope that it's a good step forward and again bringing more like the more you normalize things the more you enter queer stories into spheres that were used to be heterodominated like the more comfortable people
3: uh jada um, I think the music industry is really doing well with promoting, um, LGBTQ bands with LGBTQ singers. Um, you have artists like Halsey right now, you have artists like Brennan Urie from Panic at the Disco. And these are like a whole new generation. And they're just, you know, I, I really love that they're out and they're proud. And my daughter keeps coming to me with these, like, Oh mom, you have to listen to this new, this new music artist. I really like their stuff. And it's very, um, you know, a lot of it's, 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 really strongly written um with a really good message and she's like she's understanding some of the different political aspects of what they're writing about and you know either if it's feministic or if it's talking about lgbtq issues she's really very much enjoying you know giving these things to me and then i'm turning around and saying hey but you should also listen to david bowie and oh hey you should also listen to um you know, Queen and Janis Joplin and some of these other bicons from a bygone era. But, um, you know, I think yeah. it's interesting how we're educating each other in a lot of these ways. So
0: That's awesome. All right. So there are two things I still would really like to do before we get to our MFK because I was really proud of them when I wrote them for episode 63 and I don't want them to go into episode 65. So, <clears throat> So what older pieces of pop culture do you all think would have been written differently had they come out today with a more inclusive perspective? TJ, uh,
2: Star Trek. I just stole Jada, and she's so mad. You thief, uh, you stole mine too.
1: <laughs> well, what's
0: the reason why? Like, you have some time to unpack it a little bit.
2: So, um, Gene Roddenberry was very much, you know, society would become a utopia. He, he liked that idea, and. They're starting to do it now in the new Star Trek stuff, but the, to me, if they were, if we were at a point when Star Trek and the Next Generation were written, that we are, well, theoretically are now, um, I think there would have been a lot more of those plot lines in there. I think, honestly, I think Riker would have been by. Definitely. Just, yeah. He was already screwing anything that moved. Why not just put it on both sides? I mean, uh, we've all seen him climb into a chair, so, yeah. yeah. Right?
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Jada. How many of us are sitting weird in chairs right now? I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> I definitely think I would, I would really love to rewrite the original, like, 1970s trilogy of Star, Star Wars and have there be much more representation and characters in that. Um, you know, now that we're starting to get the pansexual adventures of Lando Calrissian, which by the way, I'm just going to be referring to that as that. Um, And I (laughs) hope that I hope that they definitely include that. But you know, again, so this is funny, because this is where my nerd culture and my dance culture collide. Um, In Spanish, you have the word bailando, which means we dance. And so here I am dancing in a Zumba class going bailando, bailando to this, you know, I think it's a Ricky um, Enrique Iglesias song. And all I can think about, is Lando Calrissian, who is into Leia, but also Han. So, um, again, you know, I think that would just be really amusing, but um, I think that there definitely should have been a lot more LGBTQ representation in the Star especially I, I, in the early Star Wars reference. I,
0: I generally think in solo, you can see that tension exists there. So. Yes, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, cat.
5: Um, so there was one show that actually, it was like 90s soapy type of, like, the L word. The L word. But then um, they actually rebooted it and did a new generation one. And the new generation one pretty much because, like, you know, there were things that did not age well. And they the new one really updates everything. It takes some of the old characters, but then really updates things for a modern audience and includes more, it has more trans inclusivity and just really addresses things from a more modern perspective.
0: Um, for me, I actually, from going back through the series recently, especially with the release of Peace Talks, how is there really not any really like inclusion for queer culture at all in the Dresden Files? Yeah. yeah. Like, like it's, it's none. really, really like crappy. We finally got like a, a pan couple uh, it, or uh, like a, a pan relationship in the newest book. But it's, it, it's again, beyond that, though, it's just like, come on, do better. Like, if this yeah. was written a little mm-hmm. bit back, like, there was strides in the newest book about really kind of becoming more modernized, which is great. But it's it feels like there is an opportunity to – I would have loved to have seen it if it was written – we started book one, like, 10 years ago. I feel like we'd be in a completely different world, not 20 years ago. Jess?
6: Yeah, you can't tell me that like all the fae and all the vamp, like the the white court vampires are like all super straight. And I mean, come on, Molly Carpenter, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot there, and there's definitely a little bit in like in context. But I mean, like they never outright even come out and say it. I'm like, come on,
6: no, not better. at
5: all. Do yeah. better. I agree. And there's especially no excuse
3: with the white court. I'm sorry. Like, or
5: the yeah. on. Yeah, the Faye. Come
0: on. I mean, Christ. Like, think about like Supernatural. Crowley. I mean, like his his sealing the deal was like, I'm gonna hook up with you, you Neil, know, and you're gonna like it. I mean, granted, everybody's like Mark Shepard is kind of kind of awesome at the same time, though, too. So, um, all right. Uh, anybody else have any uh any other major ones they would like to bring up real quick? Stole my
2: Star Trek. Sorry.
3: You stole everyone's Star Trek.
2: I'm
0: sorry. Aaron. Firefly.
4: Oh,
3: yes.
0: yes.
4: Oh, yes. How do you think,
0: where do you think that would have changed the most in Firefly?
4: I would love to have actually seen one of the cast in, like, actually in Firefly be something other than cisgender. Because it seemed like Anara was, I hate to use pay for gay or gay for pay, because <laughs> like she was i'm sure that she had some female clients i think they showed she had a female client, they did. They female did. client. yeah yeah i in my bunk Th- that's right <laughs> but i don't think that that was that was more for her work it was not for her own pleasure
3: but so, but uh, they do say that they sorry i don't mean to interrupt yeah but they do say that the companions choose their own clients that is true i think she's bi but i think she's kind of low-key closet bi and they did fetishize her and her female client just a little bit for the male gaze i mean they don't go full on into it because it was network tv and all yeah um in my head, Canon, I think she's bi. I don't know that it was gay for pay, but I mean, we can agree to disagree. That's fine. Different interpretation. Oh no, of that it's been gay. a while since I've like rewatched
4: the show. Yeah. Um. So I can't. I can't remember every single moment of it. Um. But it just. I feel as though like it would have been nice instead of like, Kaylee being all like Gaga for men all the time, Rice? and you know, and it would have just and Jane being
3: just Jane.
0: Jane feels <laughs> re- like he's repressing it, though. At the same time, so. <laughs>
3: What if Jane yeah. were a trans man?
1: He's uh, Jane Jane's Ooh. gun sexual.
3: <laughs> sexual? That,
1: that is true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean very and, and River River's very,
0: Vera,
3: my very favorite gun.
0: River is very ace. Yeah.
3: You know? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: So it's just I think they really could have but of of course you only got one season with X amount of things, who knows what would have happened and you know.
0: I'd be actually kind of curious if they actually looked at that a
7: little bit in the comic
0: book series. So
7: I, uh, um, I, I want to chime in real sure. quick um, I left a note in the chat I don't know who saw it But TJ you kind of got your wish with the Star Trek element with uh, Boris and, uh, and Clyden from the Orville mm.
2: That is true they're definitely hitting on it there But I don't know I, I, I think I know the, it's
7: not Star Trek but it's better yeah, than Star Trek So that
2: works it, it, The comedy is definitely better than It's basically what a Star Trek if everybody Had a life Uh <laughs>
7: I'm going to meet myself before we start to argue.
2: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So
0: uh, the last thing I would like to talk about before we get to our MFK, and it's kind of piggybacking off of the same idea, and we're started to already do it with Firefly, so it should be relatively easy to kind of shift in this creative direction. But if you were to take an existing film, TV series, book, game, and alter it to have a very much more inclusive cast – how would you do it? What are the characters you're altering? And how does that alteration change the dynamic of the story if it changes it at all? Um, and I would love to open it up to... Jess is very ready.
3: Mm-hmm. Harry Potter.
0: All right, explain why. Harry Potter
6: is bisexual. He's a disaster. He spent the entire sixth book obsessed with Draco. Um... Remus Lupin and Sirius Black were a couple and you cannot convince me otherwise. And I've also read a lot of headcanons that say like, why not make like Luna trans or something like that? Like add that inclusivity. I think all of those things do not change the characters or the story at all. They just make the world more complex, more inclusive, and just more friendly to everybody.
0: Uh, TJ, it looked like you were ready to rock.
2: Oh, no, no, I was more going to, um, anything, the best part about Harry Potter is anything could be head cannon because Harry Potter was an idiot. He oh. was an observant idiot. <laughs>
0: Jada. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I thought you just had a quick thing that you want to jump in. If you're ready, uh, you can, you can go. If no, not, go I'll to, just jump to Go to, to Jada. Jada because I might <laughs> okay.
2: steal hers again. <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
3: Can't have that. I'll beat you up. Um, I would really like to see Avatar The Last Airbender, like the original Avatar The Last Airbender series, have some more inclusivity. Because, um, I mean, Toph, I could see her just straight up as a lesbian. And maybe she adopts kids or has kids like somewhere else that you know contribute to the Beifong family in the second series. But like, I could definitely see her as gay. And I think she would have made a fantastic lesbian character. Um, along with that, then you have other characters like I feel like Azula would also be like a bisexual disaster. Um, just, I mean, she's, she's got the crazy in it enough. And, um, you know, then she surrounds herself with like Tylee, who's this hot gymnast girl, obviously pansexual. Um, you know, she has all the boys obsessed with her, but she really doesn't care about any of them. Like she, need, I, I feel like she needed to like, she and May needed to be a thing. Um, and then of course, you know, moving into um, Avatar Korra, I definitely think there needed to be like, you know, they needed to just openly say that she's bisexual. And then there just needed to be polyamorous triad between her and Mako and Asami. And yes, I'm still on about that because it's still relevant. Because um, that would have taken away so much just useless tension in the first season. And how much more shit would they have gotten done? Like all of it. There would have been like, there would have been such a little conflict between the two of them or between the three of them that it just would have solved so many other problems. So that's my story.
0: Nice um i'll jump in next because no one else has their hand raised yet but i would actually really love to see one of the robins or the bat family actually be like gay or bi i think that would be really damn awesome to see like them kind of shift that a little bit i mean like tim drake was one character that i think honestly that would fit incredibly well with because of He had, like, he had such these really tight-knit relationships with, like, if they did something with, like, him and Connor or, like, him and Bart, like, I I think that would have been really fantastic. And I would have loved to have seen them drive that forward a little bit because the Bat family has been, like, I think a set of eyes that people have focused on so long in DC Comics that, that I think would have had some of the best kind of resonance and actually kind of carrying out whether it dives in from there and then moves into the Teen Titans and so on and so forth. I think that would have been really awesome and incredible to see. But I think it would be great, too, to see like somebody like Batman actually kind of standing behind those things would be awesome. Like his one of his adopted sons is, you know, is queer. I think that would have had such amazing messaging.
5: Kat? Um, this is kind of obscure, but... <laughs> Uh, the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. I think Simmerine would have been an amazing lesbian, and I think they were really missing out on that one. Um, she's so pragmatic that the way she would have handled things would have been just like, what the fuck do you want? Like, she's, she was very practical and really just a radical character in fantasy at that time, because having a really feminist lead at that time was very rare. But, um, yeah, I think that would have been awesome.
0: Uh, Jada and then TJ.
3: Lord of the Rings. Lord yeah. of the Rings. my God. Uh, there is so much wonderful representation of non toxic masculinity in that whole series. And I mean, like, they are just so affectionate with each other in general. And I just take a deeper level. Like, I, I think there just needed to be, you know, I'm, I know we're dealing with different species and that sort of thing there. But, like, the love between even Sam and Frodo, it just is so beautiful. And I mean, yes, friendship love is definitely a transcendent thing. But I mean, if they, it just, there definitely needed to be some, you know, some Hobbit action going on there. Like when they got home, maybe, you know, he was in love with Rosie, but he could have had, he could have had a Frodo on the side. I think that could have been a thing. Um, and even between like, I mean, you're going to tell me that there's not a single gay elf in all of Rivendell. (laughs) Like, come on, there needs to be. Um, so uh,
0: honestly, honestly, I think if you watch it, too, if you look at, like, Gandalf and Saramon, right? it feels like there was something there yes. because, like, when that betrayal hits, it doesn't feel like just friends that were betrayed. Yes. It feels like there exactly. was something a lot heavier that kind of fractured in that moment. Yeah. And it's, I feel like there's... There's, there's something
3: going on in wizard school between the two of them that they haven't talked about since college. It's all I'm saying.
1: Bill. Star Trek. Deep Space Nine. So there's a whole bunch of changes I'm going to make here. First of all, Julian Bashir is definitely by or pan. Um, He is in a throuple with uh, Keiko and O'Brien. Although he doesn't really fancy Keiko, it's really just miles is the one he's after. Uh, He's trying to pull Garrick into the mix as well uh, because Garrick's already pansexual. Um, Odo changes between masculine and feminine presenting depending upon how odo feels that day uh and then both we'll will will say again this is probably this is probably going a little too much for the male gaze here but jedzia and kira are in a throuple with the captain Ode the gallamite so we can finally see his transparent skull
0: Aaron, <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're all like, let that sink in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to follow that one. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with something that's a little bit more newer. Um, Frozen, just give Elsa a damn girlfriend. Right? My favorite SNL, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but they did an SNL uh, sketch with the second one, and it was uh, Kate McKinnon playing Elsa, and everything was, no, but I'm gay. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. <laughs> And they're like not listening to her. But no, seriously, like give Elsa a damn girlfriend.
7: Ben. Um, So, sorry, I wasn't ready to click the unmute button. Um, So I think it's been hinted at a a number of times already in some of the characters. You're (laughs) a jerk, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I'm not doing it and I'm not playing the rap side. Um, I'd like to see some more inclusion in the Muppets actually i was gonna say i was like
0: you have that with the muppets and no one changes nothing they're still muppets (laughs) exactly (laughs) nothing
7: changes with the characters if anything it's introducing it it's introducing a younger generation to these issues at hand and getting them more familiar with it not only more familiar but comfortable at the same time um you know i know frank oz has said at times that and ernie are not gay but let's face it they're gay
0: um Uh Hey, you never know. We could find out in a couple of days when Muppets Now kicks that they may have made a move.
4: Yeah. We'll see. True. They did release for Pride uh, the rainbow, uh, this really cool rainbow image, and it was all monster hands except for Bert and Ernie's hands. So it was a little like nod.
2: <laughs> TJ. Um, I would actually rewrite the DC and Marvel universes
4: <laughs>
2: to make them a bit more inclusive. Uh, and hey,
0: and maybe, like, let's not randomly out characters in mean, horrible ways like
2: they oh, did Iceman, right? you know? Or, like, Jada brought it up earlier where Harley Quinn and Ivy got together on the TV show, but in the most recent comic, they don't—they parted as friends. Screw oh. you. That's, that's
0: honestly, I think it's the trickiest thing when it comes to comics is because you have so many creators, and writers that all want to tell their story. So, so much as retcon to be able to tell the story they want to tell.
2: Yes, however... And, I,
0: and that's that's problematic. Which is however, why we retcon ma- with major events well, yeah.
2: constantly. But However, in the case of Harley Quinn, every one of her writers, artists, uh, have said she's bi and she's in love with Harley. Uh, yeah. She's in love with Ivy. You know, the only people who haven't said that is the actual publisher themselves, so.
0: (laughs) So the last one before we move into our ending is I would change the shark from Jaws and it's going to be, it's a pansexual shark. Everybody still gets eaten. Nothing changes. Done and done. (laughs) All right, so it is time to hit our MFK. So, because we're talking what I just mentioned is pansexuality, we're going to go with our pansexual edition of our MFK. So, tonight we bring you John Constantine, Lando Calrissian, and Deadpool. Uh, and I think this is such a perfect mixture, and I'm really, really pumped that all of you guys came up with these names, because I think this creates some really interesting scenarios. So, I will turn it over to you guys. Who is ready to go? Jada.
3: Um. Okay, first of all, I'm going to marry Deadpool because he's fucking hilarious. So, I mean, just obviously the sex is going to be good. And he's going to be funny the whole time and just very entertaining. And he kicks a lot of ass. So I know, like, I'm safe, as are, like, my family and everything like that. We're good. We're, we're good. We have a superhero dad. Like, we're awesome. Um, I am obviously going to fuck the shit out of Lando Calrissian because, I mean, he wears a sweet space cape he's sexy as hell and you know he's learned some tricks going around the universe a couple of times you know the kessel run and all um i don't know really who john constantine is so i'm sorry he's gotta die
0: fair enough i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and get mine in now just so i can just get it out of the way um i i i I really (laughs) 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 i knew it was coming i absolutely knew it was coming um, but I'm going to kill Deadpool. I know that's a really, that's, that's, that's difficult, but like,
4: it's a it up.
0: You can put <laughs> each limb in a different barrel and seal it it's really hard to kind of, well, but even still, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll still kind of regen from there. But I think John Constantine is the obvious fuck in this uh, situation. I, I think, <sighs> I think the fact that, like, he's just so willing to kind of just go above and beyond from what we've seen from Legends, (laughs) that it seems like it would just be relatively a very interesting, non-forgettable experience. And you marry Lando because when you can say, hey, the family car is the Millennium Falcon before it was the best hunk of junk in the galaxy, is a pretty good way to walk away from things. And again, giant closet full of space capes. So... (laughs) Aaron.
4: No, I, I just have a clarification Are we talking about John Constantine Keanu Reeves John Constantine Or Matt Ryan John Matt Constantine
0: Matt Ryan Matt Ryan John Thank
4: god Okay I just I just need I love Keanu But I just had to clarify uh, I would Fuck the hell out of Deadpool Cause I think that would just be fun And an adventure And uh, Marry John Constantine Cause I adore him And I have to say I would have to kill Lando
1: Bill. Well, I'm not going to kill Lando. Um, I'm marrying Lando because, again, you do get the Millennium Falcon with that, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and yes, uh, I'll reference the sweet space cape as well. Uh, plus, I think he could also, you know, bring in a lot of money for the family. He's a uh, he's a hotshot gambler, by which I mean he likes to cheat a bit. Um, the next one is hard because it's who do you kill? Do you kill Deadpool which is what we've determined difficult but not impossible or do you kill Constantine? Which is also <laughs> it's difficult but not impossible Right um, so I think we're gonna kill Deadpool because I don't want to <laughs> Uh, I don't want to get into the the ramifications of fucking Deadpool, um, with things that may not be appropriate to talk about. Uh, so we'll fuck <laughs> Constantine.
0: Na- National Women Women's Lib Day.
1: <laughs> uh, I was thinking more of the baby hand. Uh, oh, because then it would just feel huge. <laughs> <laughs> I've broken I, half I, of the cast. I'm not following that.
0: I, I, I'm trying now to remember who has gone and who hasn't because my brain just kind of nope. shut
2: down on me. We stop right there. We're good. Let's move on. Yeah. At
3: this point, we should have just stopped at pansexual shark. <laughs> we're all just gonna get eaten by the pansexual shark. Yeah. So,
1: definitely... so we need, we still need Jess, Cat, and TJ. We do i'm not following that
0: (laughs) tj it's your turn
2: (laughs) all right so uh i would kill uh deadpool because i find him to be the most annoying i'm using the comic deadpool because ryan reynolds is just his own separate thing at this point um yeah but i'd kill deadpool and just shoot him off into space uh, I would fuck Lando because at least then I get to say I got a ride in the Millennium Falcon. Uh, and then I'd marry John Constantine because anybody who knows me knows I've always had a thing for wizards. There you go. Uh, Kat.
5: Um, I would marry Deadpool because I'll, I'll choose the Ryan Reynolds version of Deadpool because I don't really know the comics one as much. So, because the sense of humor is fantastic, I could, like, that will get me a far, far way. Um, you know, and he, it would be really creative sex, so that would be fun. Um, I would fuck John Constantine, because he really brings the A-game to the bedroom. You don't have to deal with the broodiness, then, when he's, like, having his, you know, like issues with the underworld things like that like that that could be a whole separate thing it's a one-time thing perfect and then unfortunately it helps be- oh.
0: Jess bring us home
5: all right <laughs> what we do
6: you have one excellent night with Lando in the Millennium Falcon amidst all the space capes <laughs> all of them No, at the end of the day, you go home to Deadpool because he's just going to be there for you. Uh, You definitely marry the hell out of Deadpool. And sorry, John Constantine, you're out of here. You're done. Deaded.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we actually got through part two, (laughs) and we did it at about two and a half hours, which is not bad because I thought we were going to go far worse so i'm very very proud of each and every one of you and i think we still have surpassed our disney our disney talk uh tj go ahead
2: uh so what you're saying is we should continue talking for another half hour (laughs)
0: let's talk about go for uh, the
6: record (laughs)
0: no no we i'm pretty damn sure we have surpassed things i think we're we're, i think we're in the clear at this point if we do if we do disney three that means we have to do pride part three so i think that's just (laughs) that has to happen that way um it helps undo a little bit of the evil of how much time and effort that we give to the disney discussion uh by at least giving it to where we should be giving it to so um but I, i let's kind of just kick around real quick this, I know there's not a lot going on from the last episode for each and every one of us, but um, you can feel free to like say how you've been passing your time in the last month if it's been something awesome. I know a lot of us are, have been working or are now back to work with the country, opened up regardless if it's been a smart move or not. Um, but let's start with Jada. Um,
3: well, I've just been doing the suburban mom thing. i trying to get my kids, you know, in – some sort of, you know, routine of the summer since there's no camps or anything like that. Um, both my husband and I are uh, essential workers. So we've been trying to do a lot of like at-home board games with them and, um, you know, trying to keep them busy swimming. Um, I've been working out a lot and just trying to keep myself sane as well as working. Um, I did get asked for to sub- Teach for my mentor Bhavna Shyamalan at the Vive Vault Fit Studio in Exton. Um, that will be in September. I have three days that I will be subbing for her with extremely limited class size in the studio, and we will be live streaming. Um, so if anybody's interest um, interested in uh, dancing with me virtually and want to check out some great options from the studio, um, let me know because they do do little like trial weeks and things like that. So we can definitely hook you up with a chance to dance with me, um, and you know taking some other great instructors classes as well, too. So hit me up if you're interested. Let me know.
0: Awesome. Uh, Jess?
3: Uh,
6: I'm back to work. The bookstore is open. It mixed results. We're fine. Um, other than that, I'm still baking bread. I'm still uh, doing my internship thing, literary agency. Super fun. And I'm just reading as much as I can. Um, I am reading Battleground. Really. I hate you. So, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm about 100 pages in, so I promise not to spoil anything for you guys until September. Scout's honor.
2: So, so I, I what may, Jess is saying I, is I should target her in-game again. <laughs> I, I'll probably
0: reach out to you a little bit before then, just to get some general ideas without knowing much.
5: That's fair. As, yep, we'll talk. I,
0: I, I need to we'll know Cat.
5: Um, I'm still incubating a baby. <laughs> so hopefully... That will be, you know, that's going along. But then, um, actually, in the interim between the last episode and this episode, um, my first queer romance came out. So, that was book three in my Discord's Desire series. It was my bisexual character. Um, And that one came out, I guess, July 3rd. Yeah. And so, I'm super excited. I'm still hunting for, well, I have some more news on the horizon for more queer romance coming out soon but it's still kind of under wraps so i'll make some announcements soon
0: (laughs) tj uh
2: i'm working on D &D and hopefully waiting for a time where i can put everyone at a table and stream the crap out of it very awesome
0: uh real quick i apologize i have to back up before i jump to aaron kat you didn't Tell people the name of the book and where you can find it.
5: Oh, um. <laughs> pregnancy brain! <laughs> uh, Tempting Ballad is the name of the book, and it is available on all online retailers for the most part, like Kobo, Smashwords, Amazon, whatever. Very cool,
0: Erin.
4: Uh, um, I am still working from home and really haven't been out and doing much just because you know trying to stay as safe and quarantined as possible. Um, I have decided to start uh, my own little like nail salon private business I guess because I don't want to go to a salon but I wanted to do my own nails so I bought like all of like the acrylic dips and stuff and I've been practicing on doing my own nails so today they're very sparkly um, we're probably gonna be holding off for a little bit because my left arm right now is <laughs> is in an, uh, an air cast kind of thing cuz I fell yesterday cuz I'm an idiot so <laughs> but thank for my husband who <laughs> picked my ass up and brought me to the hospital uh, but other than that, just been, you know, getting through.
1: Yeah. Well. So I've been uh, continually making more bread. Uh, my bread is fantastic and excellent. Bredsley
0: um, C- bread- Crusher lives?
1: Bredsley Crusher lives and is overperforming like Bredsley Crusher should. <laughs> um, my bread scoring skills, however, are not performing well. And I cannot make designs in my bread yet. Um. I also made some fermented beverages, which are, uh, <laughs> did end up on the ceiling of uh, Rob's and Cat's uh, kitchen. <laughs> uh, also
0: the walls, also the floor, yep. the inside the cabinets, uh, all across the microwave, all across <laughs> the stove. Yep. Uh, well this, was, this was one bottle. This one was bottle. One. It opened um, and went boom. boom. Um, um, I I was fairly certain a gun went off in our
1: house. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was,
0: I, and I that's not that's not being
1: dramatic. Yeah, it was it was that bad and explosive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fermenting pineapple is no joke. People, be careful if you do it. Um, but apart from the foodstuffs. Uh, I've been playing, I apparently am playing way too many role-playing games. Um, I have like a D&D game, a Pathfinder game coming up, another D&D game, and I'm running my own D&D game as well for beginners. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, as
0: for me, I have been doing a whole hell of a lot of nothing outside of working. Uh, the house has been pretty much, we've, we've got things under pretty great control. I feel like a lot of our house major house projects are, are in really good shape. Uh, I'm going to learn how to refinish a basement by myself, which is going to be a really interesting experience. So uh, beyond that, though, I've been rebuilding my arcade cabinet, which, uh, for, which is to my current left as I'm recording. And uh, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this correct and do it proper this time and, and do it the right way and actually put all the work into it. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make it ridiculous. And uh, as I say that, I'm looking at the total count of games on there now, and it's 11,885 is the current <laughs> yep, count of the happy- games.
2: You haven't gone ridiculous, Rob. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's when so, you hit 12,000, that's when it gets ridiculous.
0: I still have three
2: other systems
0: to import into it still. So, uh, yeah. So that's a thing. So, <laughs> but it's, uh, the, the rebuild is going amazingly, and I'm really, really proud of it. And It's been it's turning out great. Uh, but beyond that, um, I, I'm, <sighs> we're, we're, we're three months, less than three months down from, from meeting our daughter, which is going to be really damn cool. And I'm really excited for when things are in a good place for her to meet each and every one of their wonderful aunts and uncles who have been on this podcast for part one and part two. So, uh, but without further ado, I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed episode 63 and now episode 64 that was celebrating our Pride Month that is carried into two months. But I feel like I hopefully we did you all well in this and. Um, you know, like I said, we really recommend if you have the opportunity to find something in the culture that helps expand your knowledge and your education so you can be the best you that you can be, but also be the best ally or member of the community that you can be. So, uh, But until next month, we will see you guys back here again for episode 65 of the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. Thanks again.
1: Bye. Bye.